This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, well, what a weekend it was. Lots to get to today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily after two miserable L's for the home squad at Canada Life Centre on the weekend. Colorado coming in on Friday night and having their way right from the get-go against the Winnipeg Jets and a, uh, a dreary shutout loss to the Islanders yesterday and a trade made in between those two games. Uh, needless to say, we've got lots to get to today on Winnipeg Sports Talk, focusing in on the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, much more, though, on a very busy weekend for Manitoba Sports, which we'll get to as well. Dave Poulin will jump on the program coming up in a few minutes, and then we'll uh, have an extended Jets conference with the Hammer, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. We'll also hear from Rick Bonus from the weekend, and hopefully a little later on, hear from uh, Bones in his post-practice comments today as the team got back on the ice with newly acquired Nino Niederreiter for the first time at uh, Canada Life Centre before they host the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow. So um, I'm sure the chat's already on fire today considering what we've had uh, to watch over the last couple games and really far more than just the last two games. Should be an interesting show today on WST. Welcome to everyone with us. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Hit that red button and uh, join us daily, Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. Central, live on YouTube. And of course, if you are watching the YouTube channel, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, pop in Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod as well. So you've got the audio content early in the afternoon and time for your drive home if you're not able to join us on YouTube. Just before we get Remus in here, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, starting with Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club Whiskey, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and uh, plenty of content for the why not question of the day today for our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Let's get Remus in here. And uh, Remo, I don't even know where to start. There is a lot to cover today, and not a lot of it is very positive when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets. No. No, Hus. No, it is not positive. And I see a lot of people in here. What's going on, everyone? And I'll say we did get some positive news on the weekend with the Niederreiter trade, and I I put out that video with Scott Billick and, all, and showed it to everyone who came here on short notice uh, to our channel to check that out. But like I'm, I don't know. I feel like I have a physical reaction um, to the weekend's games. Like all week last week, I was like, you know, they haven't played great, but they're still in a playoff spot. There's a lot of games left, and I think they are still in a playoff spot. And there are a lot of games left, but really hard to be encouraged from anything that happened on the weekend. Look, you can get toasted by Colorado. They're the cup champs. They're a really good a really good team. But then to have Rick Bonus, you know, call them out on Friday and to have that kind of response um Sunday. I just feel like, you know, we've seen this movie before, Huss. And you know, we've seen Oh, it's deja vu. I, I, it is deja yeah. vu around this time of year. I just um, feel like this we've gone down this road. It's a very similar team. Um, you know, I think it was Brandon. I don't know if he was said basically said like the Jets are who we thought they were. Like all the preseason negativity that we had that they hadn't changed anyone. They hadn't addressed the bottom, you know, the bottom six at all. 
And I think a lot of that, I don't know if they got off to a hot start and this is the real team or they can find out they find a way to get back to the team they were in the first 30 games of the season. But I mean, it's after that Sunday game, um, you know, shout out to all the people who took part in the next gen stuff. I mean, some of that made, I thought made for kind of awkward um, television. I'm sure it worked out great in the T in the TV, but that was just such a, a miserable game where you get one shot in the first period where it's a, what a dump in like from center. I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's really hard. It, I don't know. It's just, doesn't get much worse than yesterday, does it? Well, um, I guess if they lost every game and, and missed the playoffs, but I'm trying. I'm looking at the standings. You had sent, yeah. sent me a text on Friday, popping off the game sheet from one of those infamous games against the Washington Capitals. Oh yeah, in what is it, twelve thirteen, when the Jets were in first place in the set in the Southeast Division, got whooped ten to one in two games back to back on Friday and Saturday night, and sort of. That was that. Um, I mean, I kind of laughed when we were talking about that, but when you look back at the body of work for Friday and Saturday night, um, it's eerily reminiscent. Now, again, these teams are very different. We're talking about 10 years removed from these clubs, and I think the deja vu that's really happening more is the late season swoons in 2019, in 2020 as well. Um but there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers right now. And it is really unfortunate that the team was so bad yesterday because I think that there was the possibility of the Niederreiter trade, despite the fact that he didn't play yesterday, hopefully giving the team a bit of a boost, playing better, getting a result. And then, you know, you go into this week on a very, on a hopefully a different note. Um, it was the exact opposite. And we're going to play some of the quotes from Rick Bonus over the course of the weekend. This is a straight-up challenge to his hockey club over the last two days. First of all, coming off the road Friday, the most important game of the year. Well, they, to use the coach's words, were asleep to start the game. Nate McKinnon scores on a breakaway 19 seconds in. Um, they weren't ready to play. They didn't get any better during the hockey game, and essentially the Colorado Avalanche coasted for the final 40 minutes, knowing that the game was already in hand. And then last night, how they respond, a test of their character and their pride. Well, I'm just going to say it. They didn't pass the test at all. Um, and and again, this is going to be a common theme, and we'll talk about this with Hammer when he's on us later on. But, I mean, the entire narrative around this club was that, you know, they were pretty good. They're in a wide-open Western, Western Conference right now. It's really up for the taking. There's no one that's... It's, you know, distance themselves from the rest of the competition. We all know what the contract situation for the Winnipeg Jets is as an organization beyond this year. This is the year to really aggressively go and try and do something special. If I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff right now, knowing what I've known for previous seasons and watching the way this team is trending and how they played in these last couple games, not to mention the last month overall, I, I mean, all of a sudden there's a few other things that are coming into my mind that, you know, maybe the time is now to start thinking about moving some of the other players or a massive core shakeup that, you know, may get you some better results this season, but is also more thinking about the future in mind. Because the future and, and incredibly impactful decisions are going to be made around players like Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck to name the three most important guys with one year left on their contracts. Um and as I said, this team has not done anything 
to I think tell the general manager that you know he needs to he needs to go for it this year. Um, if anything, I think there's probably two conversations happening right now about you know what this means for this hockey club and is it worth it for the organization to make aggressive moves for this year right now when you see the way this team is trending. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what you do, how, how you address it. I think, you know, they saw that they needed some scoring. And look, the games that they lost, what, Columbus and the Islanders, like, they didn't play terrible uh, in those games, Huss. I mean, they lost, it was but to be challenged on Friday and no show um, yesterday afternoon. I mean, I'm already seeing jokes in chat. Nino Niederreiter, who didn't play, had one less shot than the Jets in uh, the first 25 minutes <laughs> of yesterday. I mean, the jokes... The jokes here are, are flying they out. They themselves. Yeah, they. I mean, it's. I don't know what you do. Like, were they planning on adding more, and now the plan has changed? But maybe you do look at okay, um, you know, we're going to have to make some big decisions this summer. We've talked so much about who's being an unrestricted free agent. Maybe they do look at uh, trading uh, a core piece. I have. I don't know. Us. It's. This. I again. I. It's just such a, a wild situation where you're playing so well for thirty games. Uh, we're on game, we played six of the next 30. You're pretty much like a 500 team. And now you're pushing for the division all year, one and two. And suddenly you fall into a wild card spot, you know, by you played one more game than Seattle. So you're ahead of them, but you're really second wild card. Calgary's behind you. I'm looking at the standings. And the one thing you, I guess you can be like, okay, you know, the Jets just have to be basically just beat Calgary, who hasn't been very good because Nashville is, you know, tanking. You know, trading away guys. So was St. Louis. So was Vancouver. So was Arizona, San Jose, Chicago. Like the like, how many teams that are for sure not going to be there? So I think they definitely have a spot to get in. But I mean, if anyone does, anyone in chat have confidence that they would be able to win a series against? Well, hopefully you don't get matched up against Colorado. Minnesota's own them. Um, Dallas is sliding, but I, I again, like, kind of almost speechless after what just happened. We're witnessing what happened. Um, yesterday. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had some conversation with friends after that dud on Friday night, you know, about, you know, wow, you know, what's happening over the course of the next week? What should the team do? And I mean, even at that point, we were talking about sort of the direction of the club. It sort of seems like they're in free fall right now. No one seems to have any answers and maybe most unfortunate for everyone involved no one really stepping up at all amongst those quote-unquote difference makers. I mean, I think Josh Morrissey's still giving it his all every game and doing everything he can to help the team win. Um, but, I mean, where was Mark Shifley this weekend? I mean, Dubois, I know Dubois had that fight yesterday, which was surprisingly only his third in his NHL career, and I guess that showed a little something. But, um, I mean, they are disjointed right now. They're not playing with any connection. And uh, the biggest reason, and we'll talk about this and hear from Rick Bonus a little later on, I mean, not skating, not moving their feet. I I'm looking at the box score from yesterday's game. And, of course, you're looking at the ice time. And, um, you, know, was, you know, the Jets had, what, a couple power plays that were dominated by the main group. Um, not a lot happening on them. And the fact of the matter was, even when they were chasing the game the way they were, not skating enough to really put themselves in a position to garner more opportunities, scoring chances, or power plays otherwise. And 
it has just got to be such, so disappointing and deflating for Rick Bonus the way that he's seen his team step up and respond in the first half of the season, seemingly not getting the message or not reacting or responding at all right now. And um, it's hard to feel that this team isn't sinking right now. And Remo, we can talk about the standings. And yeah, the Jets are in a playoff spot right now. For the first time in a couple months, they're in a wild card spot. The Kraken are one point behind them with a game in hand, so technically would have a better points percentage than the Winnipeg Jets do right now. And you mentioned that Calgary Flames team. Calgary Flames are only five points back of the Winnipeg Jets. Both teams have 22 games remaining. I mean, five points is not insignificant, but it's certainly not enough of a cushion not to be concerned about that club. I'll tell you what, I know they lost to the uh, Colorado uh, Avalanche on, on Saturday night. But if you watch that game, there was a hell of a lot more response, passion, energy from Calgary, even in that loss, than anything we saw this week from the Winnipeg Jets. And as much as you're wondering where the skating is, where the plays, you're also wondering where the spirit of this group is. And uh, I was at both games up in the stands. I'm sure many of you in the chat were as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't see much of that. And that, maybe more than anything, is the most concerning right now because that is something that we've talked about before. And unfortunately, whether you're talking about what the guys are saying after the games or what you're seeing on the ice, no one's really stepping up and no one really has many answers. Hey, when you said the uh, the Jets aren't sinking, you meant S-Y-N-C, not S-I-N-K-I-N-G. Just want to clarify clarify that. Uh, <laughs> if anyone took that, if anyone took that uh, the wrong way, you know, I say Rick Bonus doesn't have any answers. I, I watched the last two press conferences. Uh, he's going up there, and everything's just like, there's a lot of this going on. Like Jim Halpert from the office looking at the camera being like, I mean, no, I, I don't blame him. Like, he challenged him on fr you know, Friday, and <laughs> you come out against uh, against the Islanders, you know, a team you played pretty tightly the week before, and it wasn't even, wasn't even close. The Islanders took their... You know, put off the gas in the second half because the game had been pretty much decided. There was really no push. Um, I mean, it's got to be disappointing, deflating. And it did remind me a lot of, I know it's a different team, but just you talk about Jets in the second half. Uh, give me, uh, those two home games against Washington in 2012. I mean, that's I like a historic note of something. And like the thing is, that team just wasn't that good. I think they were no, playing team, above their heads yeah. and they were sort of exposed. But it was... Th this. Yeah, so it was like a team in the playoffs with big divisional games at home on a weekend, and you just lay an egg in both games. And you think, how could it be much worse in the second game than the first game? And it was was way worse. And it was during like during the ne the next gen game too on the broadcast. So I mean, it's just uh, uh, you know what? Shout out to the kids, and you know what? The organization, yeah. from a game production standpoint, everyone is involved in it. I mean, by far the best and most entertaining part of the entire afternoon at the at the rink was what the kids had done and i mean i felt the poor kid that's doing the pa didn't even get to call a damn goal oh i mean <laughs> it was I, I mean as i said everyone everyone that wasn't on the ice i think um did a pretty good job of, of that and as i said it was just disappointing that everything else around the game was um, was such a downer last night Markian Dupiak in chat. Thank you very much for the super chat, Markian. Uh, at what point do we start to think we have a locker room issue with the core players? 
I'm going to think about um, New Year's Day 2019. I, this is, I mean, I get you. we could probably go back and play copies of shows back pre-WST, post-WST, around this time of year, at the end of those seasons, um, and be having very similar conversations to where we're at right now. What's going on with this team? How are they slumping? Uh, what's happened to the team that had that energy, the skating, the offense? It's all gone right now. And uh, as I said, it's a long season. There will be ups and downs, but this seems to be a legit crisis for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's happening at a time where so many things could happen around the team as we get closer to uh, closer to Friday. Um, so, yeah, Mark, I mean, I, I, I would have to think uh, that people, well, most importantly, I mean, regardless of what we think, I mean, the people inside management and in that general manager's office and ownership, I think probably are feeling like a lot of us are feeling right now. We've seen this before and it's not going into a good place. And I would imagine there's more opportunities and possibilities at least being considered in their minds than they would have imagined a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Sorry, I missed that other that first super chat, but thanks again for whoever uh, whoever. Threw it was that a Tico one. and Pauly. Uh, I guess you guys had the bet for the oh, Scotties, and he wants yeah. to should send you the rest of it. He sent a five dollars super chat. Shout out to Tico and Pauly. Tico and Pauly, we'll we'll settle that in the DMs. That that was one great thing. And as I said, I was gonna get to a couple other stories, but uh, huge congratulations to Carrie Anderson and her team. Four straight Scotties. That was a great way to end the weekend for Manitoba sports fans after a pretty ugly start on Friday afternoon and just as ugly a performance yesterday by uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, when it comes down to it, Remo, I, I'm, you know, and listen, it's disappointing if you're at the games. And, I, you know, and I got to give, I want to say a couple things on, on the fans. Um, yesterday, I thought with all the kids in the building, there were some spirited chants and people trying to get things going. Um I'm not sure I can remember a more damning indictment of what was going on on the ice than a legitimate organized shoot the puck chant in the second period of the game. I hadn't heard that one before. I mean, there's always shoot guy, you know, around a power player when things are happening. But um, for a good portion of the crowd to all be chanting, just in general, shoot the puck. Like, let's get a couple pucks on net. Um, pretty damning. The one thing that I will call people out for, and I still have a bad taste in my mouth about, is Friday night. When obviously Connor Hellebuck had a rough start to the game with guys basically, as to use Rick Bonus's comments, being asleep in front of him. And yes, four goals on the first five shots. Um, but to Bronx cheer Hellebuck, the Jets' best player, and the one guy that has actually played well over the course of the past month, I think we can safely say, unnecessary, bad move. And if you're someone that thinks that he is the guy going forward that you hope that you can hang on to. Maybe not a great way to treat a guy that's going to have some big decisions coming up. I just thought I would mention that right now because if anyone deserves to get a little bit of heat from the fans and we're doing a list, the guy at the bottom of the list is number 37. Well said, uh, Hustler. Yeah, I mean, he's been the Jets' best player. He's the reason they are where they are in the standings. As a trophy winner... I mean, those shots, what, breakaway from McKinnon, um, the the ranting in two-on-one when he has all the time in the world and picks, like with a beautiful shot, picks the corner. Bowen Byram walking 
to in the middle of the ice in the slot like it's a Tuesday night skate at uh, River Heights that I play in. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, he had no chance on some of those, and he's been there rock. I mean, if he has a bad game, does not deserve uh, any of that. And I do see KJ saying it was, you know, but not maybe not directed at him specifically, but the whole team. But, I mean, when the guy makes a save and you cheer, yeah. I think it shows I, I'm with you. And it wasn't yeah. like the whole building or anything like that. And I tried to ignore it when it happened um, from where I was sitting. Yeah. But the next five minutes, I just found myself getting more pissed off <laughs> in well, my seat and, just thinking yeah, like, about it. And I do agree. This was not – I've talked about this with some other people. They didn't really take it as someone saying, oh, great, thanks for mixing in a save. But – just for something positive to happen. Listen, it was a miserable first period. It was tough to sit through. I mean, the early goal goes in. Appleton gets the the power play goal coming back, and you think, okay, they, you know, this is this was nice. A little bit of a response on the power play. It's one one back in this hockey game, and then bang, bang, bang before anything really could happen. I mean, that game was for all intents and purposes over, and then we didn't see. Um, a big pushback. I mean, like when Calgary was getting worked on Saturday, the one thing I at least appreciated is that they were going to make the avalanche or at least try to make the avalanche earn the two points and feel like they came in and played a tough hockey game. That wasn't the case on Friday night. And then for the team to be off on Saturday and for Rick Bonus to say, this is going to be a test of their character and pride. I don't know how you could take yesterday's performance any other way than an absolute failure of that challenge for their head coach. Um, I will tell you what, I, we do want to get to these clips. Um, just before we do that, we've got a couple guests coming up. We've got an extended conversation with Dave Poole, and we actually caught up with him this morning before another big trade uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, getting McCabe and um, Sam Lafferty from uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. So we will, we will talk about that. And, of course, Hammer's going to be coming on later for more on the latest uh, situation with the Winnipeg Jets. But just before we get to Bones, uh, hey, a little nicer today. Going to get cold again, though. We're not out of the woods yet. And whether you're in need of a battery for your car, your truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery has the most convenient and well-priced option in the city, and you'll be supporting local. Put in the order for your battery by around the time we fire up Winnipeg Sports Talk, and you'll have that sucker sitting on your doorstep in a couple of hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Manitoba Battery, basically the local service, but the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg, no fighting for a parking spot at Costco, no waiting line at Canadian Tire, no spending more money on a battery at a big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you while you spend time on more important things. It's that simple. Phone them up or order online at manitobabattery.com and let Manitoba Battery simplify your life. Um, big shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Uh, it's funny, we we're talking about the upcoming golf season. There's a few people probably thinking golf season at the end of that game yesterday afternoon. Um, but golf season already in uh, preparations going on. And of course, Consolidated Supply have been the go-to service for golf courses, not just as the club car dealer in Manitoba, but also for the best irrigation solutions and products, not to mention artificial turf. Maybe you need that for your own properties. Um, talk to the guys about irrigation options for your lot as well. 
this artificial turf. Maybe you want to put in that dream putting green in the backyard. And while you're working on that backyard, how about a beautiful outdoor kitchen or a spa or hot tub? Consolidated Supply has it all. Pop down and see them in person. 1395 Niagara Road East or check them out online at their new revamped website at cte.ca. Um, don't forget, we're still taking in nominations for the Wallace & Wallace Unsung Hero Program. The Unsung Hero each month will receive an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey. And Wallace & Wallace will make a $500 donation in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated the Unsung Hero. Send us your stories of people in your lives making big contributions to the community through volunteerism, spending time working with charities, or maybe being that great neighbor that everyone on the block depends on. Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. And a big thanks to Wallace and & Wallace and Josh Morrissey for their support of this program and WST. And just before we hear from Bones, of course, Vita Health Fresh Market is the place for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And being around family-owned since 1936, a Winnipeg institution with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. Don't forget February's Health Month. It's crucial to support this vital organ with omega-3 fatty acids. So supplement with RX Omega-3 fish oil by Natural Factors, helping support cardiovascular health, cognitive function, eye health, joint pain and flexibility, and it just happens to be on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, Remo, let's get to the coach. Um, and we're going to take this back to Friday because, you know, we'd been told by Rick Bonus coming off of a disappointing road trip out east that Friday was the biggest game of the year. A huge opportunity with the Colorado Avalanche in town to get back at it. And um, it started off poorly and didn't get any better. Bones was uh, pretty adamant that uh, his team wasn't ready to play and to use his words, asleep to start Friday's game. Well, we were asleep to start the game. No question. So, you know, talk to you, talk to the players and get their opinion. We were clearly asleep. Account for that. It happened. Let them explain it to you. Try. Pardon me. We tried. Okay. Well, again, it, it, listen. The, the play it doesn't matter what anyone says right now. It doesn't. It's what our eyes just told us, and our eyes told us that we were asleep to start the game. So you can say all the, there's, there's no excuses. It's just, we were asleep. Yeah, um, not making any excuses. Um, and I feel for Bones because he, uh, you could just feel the frustration in his voice. Um, that was a game he expected a lot more from his hockey club. And um, not only did they not have their best, but um, they weren't even ready to compete against a really good Colorado Avalanche team. And, we saw the way that went. Now, we mentioned that this game, looking ahead to Sunday, post-game on Friday, was a real challenge to the Winnipeg Jets to step up and show that they're made of. And you said that this game, the game Sunday afternoon, was going to be a test of their pride. Every once in a while, this game's going to test your character and it's going to test your pride. And that game on Sunday will be an example of, yeah, that we just got it. We just got embarrassed. So, again, let's see how we respond. I thought this was the game that was going to be. Yeah, we would hope that it would have been. It wasn't. We move on for Sunday. 
that that's the quote that caught me. I shouldn't say it caught me off guard. I believed every single thing that Bones was saying. I think yesterday was going to be and should have been a real test of their pride and character. And I guess if you subscribe to that being a test, I don't know if there's any other way that you can give it a big stinking F and go back to the drawing board and try to get a different result. Um, it was the exact opposite of what you hope you would have seen from a team that should have been desperate going up against a team that had just beat them four or five days ago on their home rink. Um, and one more thing that bones said on Friday, that is absolutely correct. That has been lacking is the emotion on this team. And uh, he wanted to see more emotion from his team on Sunday. This is what he had to say after the abs game Friday night. Um, my point there is how we respond. Our character and pride just got tested. We didn't respond tonight. We absolutely have to respond. Win or lose Sunday. There has to be a lot more emotion. There has to be a lot more commitment to work. Well, uh, I'll be honest, Reem. I was uh, in between periods talking with a few good fellas when the Jets were sitting on one shot on goal. And I thought about that quote. And, um, well, it, it... it just seemed inconceivable that there could be such little pushback after, um, you know, what happened on Friday, the way the team had been playing. And I think that speaks to just the the rut that this team is. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers, showing up, guys, let's play good today and going out and doing it. Yeah, I'm listening to these clips and then you're thinking about the response. You know, he said, OK, this is a test. We're going to see, you know, thought, and reason says, I thought this was the game. He's like, no, 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 it's Sunday and Sunday shows up. And you, know, you take the bad penalty, you, know, you allow a shorthanded, or a, yeah, you do allow a shorthanded goal. And, I mean, that's it. That's the game. And you don't get a shot for, what, like 25, uh, what, 25 minutes of the game? Or, sorry, you have one shot after 25 minutes. Um, it's crazy to think that that was the response that he called for. Or he said, this is a test. And they definitely didn't, didn't pass. We can say that, but... Um, I mean, again, you're looking at the standings. You see the Jets in a playoff spot. You see they have, you know, a lot of games left to turn it around. But again, after seeing what we see in the last couple of years and seeing what we're seeing in chat, um, I don't know if there's a lot of belief out there. And hopefully they can find the belief. I know we'll talk about the practice they had today uh, later on, but um, hopefully they can figure out a way to turn this around. But hearing those quotes Friday and seeing the yeah. response, I mean, it's just, it's making you physically uh, like, like pain. Hey, anyone, anyone that cheers for this team, anyone that hangs out with us on a regular basis here on Winnipeg Sports Talk knows how fun, you know, the first half of the season has been and how great of a story that the team was. I mean, there weren't a lot of people that were believers in this team before the season went in and, it seemed like Rick Bonus had really instituted a new culture in the club, and they were getting the results for it. Unfortunately, what's happened over the last month or so has pretty much eroded most of the gains that they'd made, and it's certainly the most recent performances in the last few weeks have eroded the confidence of the direction of the team and and where this fan base is right now. And and I get it. I got to give credit to Brendan Dillon. It does seems seem to be more often than not that. You know, when there's real tough questions to be answered, he's a guy that, you know, will emerge from the Jet dressing room and speak to it. He did talk after the game on Friday and, um, you know, preach confidence in the club. But um, obviously some things need to change. Here's what Dylan had to say coming out of the loss to the Avalanche on Friday. We 
We know we're a good team. It was just like it seems on certain nights we can be uh, we look like a Stanley Cup contender, and then there's certain nights where where we we don't and don't even look close. And I think tonight was was one of those where we all just kind of know what what our role is, be our piece to the puzzle, not to try to do something else or do something more than that. And if we do that on most nights this year, we've shown we can we can be a better team. And um, you know, they, those guys, they, they lead the way. They're, there's a reason why they were the champs last year. All right, so this is Brendan Dillon. That's coming out of Friday, which brought us to yesterday afternoon. The challenges, you just heard from Rick Bonus, uh, And the Jets come out of the gate with one shot on Semyon Varlamov in the first period. And um, I think a lot of people were sort of expecting Bones to, uh, you know, erupt like a volcano after the game. Took a little bit of, uh, well, I would say not a little bit, a considerably different tact. Um, here's what Bones had to say after Sunday's shutout loss to the uh, Islanders yesterday afternoon. I guess my question is, we saw what we saw out there today. Why are we seeing that? Well, what did you, what are you referring to? Well, I mean, one shot in the first period, outshot in the game that you called for a response from yeah, the team. Yeah, listen, I, um, I thought we came out with a lot of energy. Um, and we we took the penalty, and then the, we get the power play, and they take the shorthand, they get the shorty. That kind of set us back. The second period, we were all over them. We just couldn't. They came down the ice. They took a shot. It went in the net. Uh, we just couldn't get the goal, uh, to get, get that goal to give us a boost. But we spent a lot of time in the ozone uh, with nothing to show for it. So the energy was good. Uh, we just we need that goal <laughs> to get us going and give us a boost. So. Uh, yeah, the energy in the second was great, and then you know they just sat back on it in the in the third period, and they got big defensemen, and we got to somehow we got to find a way to get a five on five goal. So, Reem, I don't know what you think about that. And listen, I've appreciated everything that Rick Bonus has given us all year because I think for the most part he's been straightforward, he's been honest, he's been telling people everything that they've watched with their own eyes. I didn't think that that was the case yesterday afternoon. And I'm not sure whether he thinks that where the, the position that his team is at, um, that that would have been piling on. I think he's done this before and hasn't gotten the gotten the response. And I think at this point, maybe he's trying to find a different tack to use with this team. Um, because unfortunately, he's had plenty of opportunities to handle ugly losses in different ways over the course of the last month. But... Um, I mean, I was in the building. I'm sure many of you were. Did you feel like the energy was great yesterday with the club? I sure didn't. Felt like total um, fake news to me, Hustler, just trying to, you know, deflect. And you can go to the well so many times and talk about, you know, playing with emotion and just Dumping all. I just don't think he wanted to do that again and again. I mean, he kind of called them out. Was he supposed to? How many times can he? Yeah. Can he call them out? And it was. I mean, I'm, I think, but I don't think a lot of people caught on that what he, what his strategy was, and maybe they thought I see in chat like he actually liked their game, and there's calls back to no a, way. A pre, the previous coach. I mean, I mean, there's no way you can like that, and I just think he didn't want to. You know, we already made headlines. Was the loss of against Philadelphia? where, you know, he really went after them and kind of done that again and again. And, I mean, I maybe just thought there was what I was going to do and just wanted to just get, get be done with that media availability as quickly as he could because it's almost bizarre 
listening to it. And re- shout out to Sean Reynolds who did push him and be like, you're telling me you can play the clip now. Yeah, next. Well, let, let's let's get to that. Dean Bones, you know, was uh, if Bones was asked if the score was indicative of the way that his team played. They capitalized again. They capitalized on a couple of shots that went in, and we couldn't get puck in the net. We had some really good looks. We were, um, we missed the net too many times from close range. Doobie went in right off the first shift of the second period and ripped one off his shoulder. Uh, that goes in. That gives us a big boost, right? So it was a great, it was a great opportunity. We, listen, we need to score goals. Simple as that. We need to spend time in there. We did that. Uh, we just need to get a greasy goal and get us going. All right, so uh, there's Bones. And here's the clip that you were talking about where Rennie sort of comes back and asks if he was happy and pleased with the, his team's response yesterday considering what he'd said and what we saw on Friday night. So you would essentially challenge your team after the last game to, to and wanted to see their response. It sounds as though you, you're okay with the response. Yeah, we were a much better team today than we were last game. Much better. The score doesn't. I know the score. What the score says. I get that. We didn't score a goal, and I get. I understand that. But we did much more things, better things today, than we did our last game, and that's what we wanted to see. There's no results, and I understand that. We're results oriented. You have to win. You have to score. But at least the effort was much better today, and uh, the, the things that we needed, the things that we wanted to see, we saw. We just didn't score, and we lost the game. And that's all that matters. Well, one more, and this is a key one from Bones, because I don't think there's any doubt that this is the longest stretch of adversity that this team has faced. They um, seem to have lost their way right now. They're losing games. They're now in a wild card spot. Calgary's five points back for that final spot. Um, Bones was asked about how this team is handling adversity. Uh, I've seen I've seen the signs that we, we can handle it better. Yeah. You learn more about your guys now. They learn more about themselves, and, and now, it, right now, it's a challenge. There's no question. So, what do you do? You, you dig down deeper. That's what you do. And the guys that don't dig down deeper, then you find out about that too. Pretty telling comment. Now, Rick Bonus is finding all this out for the first time. Unfortunately, Raymond, this goes back to the conversation we had right at the beginning of the show. Uh, about sort of feeling like deja vu and some uh, ugly trends in the second half of um, previous seasons. This isn't new for Kevin Dayoff and Mark Chipman and the people inside the Jets front office right now. And that is why I think we, when we circle back and we talk about this with Jeff Hamilton, I think there are probably more options on the table, whether they're being seriously considered or not, I'm not sure. Um, but the way this team has played as of late is going to have to force your general manager to consider some things that they probably didn't even want to think about two or three weeks ago that are now part of the Winnipeg Jets reality. Um, all right, we're going to get to uh, get to um, uh, Dave Poulin right away. And just quick to let you know, we did hook up with Dave about two hours ago before he went into the TSN office. And since then, the Leafs have made a trade um, so we won't touch on that Leafs trade. It's kind of interesting. He does speculate that the Leafs had more coming on. Uh, but remember, this is a pretty big one that uh, has dropped just in the past hour or so. Um, a couple significant players coming over from Chicago to Toronto as that incredible arms race continues to build in the East after Timo Meyer went to the uh, Devils 
And the Tanner Genot trade, I think, was the one that just caught people completely off guard. Um, Cal Foot and a first, second, third, fourth, and fifth pick for Tanner Genot. Tanner Genot, what, he's got five what five goals. He's going to play on the third line. Um, I mean, these Tampa and hey, Toronto. They gave up two first-rounders last year to get Brandon Hagel. And the big key, under team control, he was making a $1.5 million. This really reminds me of that trade. And for all the people that say Tampa's crazy, Tampa's won the East three years in a row. They know what it takes to win. They know what it takes to win in the playoffs. And it's very clear that Julian Breesbaugh was willing to pay a premium for a player like Tanner Genot. And um, Jets could have used a Genot type over the course of these last couple games because you know what he's going to bring every night, whether he's scoring goals or not. Yeah, and, um, you know, these teams are gearing up. And so Tampa goes and gets Janot, and Leafs say, okay, we need to go make a trade. They get uh, Lafferty and Jake McCabe shoring up the defense. I mean, it's really disappointing that these teams are going to, you know, play in the first round, and one of them is going to go home. But shout out to them. They're saying, Tampa's saying, you know what? These draft picks, they're not going to help us next year. They're not going to help us the year after or the year after that. We need to win now. We've got a two-time cup champion core here. They've been to the finals uh, four times total. They're, they're, that's the definition of all-in, and the Leafs are saying, you know, we need to win too, and we need to beat you guys, and we're going to trade, you know, our uh, conditional first in 2025-26. So, I mean, that's years down the road they're giving up picks for. Maybe, you know, you end up getting them back in the future, but, you know, we talked about the NBA trade deadline where they're giving up so many picks, and the NHL saying, you know what, we need to – we need to match this, and it's amazing seeing all the picks and all the trades, and it's been so much fun checking my phone, and I still think we're going to see deals before Friday's deadline as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, lost in the ugliness of what happened on the ice was a pretty good trade. I mean, I know a lot of people are all, all over Chevy right now. I, mean, I thought Chevy made out like a bandit having to give up only a second-rounder for Nino Niederreiter, who, of course, has one more year left on his deal at $4 million, uh, and I'm not sure that he's not worth at least that at a later point if the Jets decide that they need to move on him if they're in a different situation next year. So um, we'll look forward to hearing. We heard from Nino Nied- Niederreiter. He's practiced today for the first time and met the media a little earlier today. Uh, so maybe we'll have some of that for you a little later on on the program. But as I mentioned, Jeff Hamilton's going to come on. We'll really focus in on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but Dave Poulin coming up. Before we do that, hey, you want to be the first guy at the uh, rink with the 62 Niederreiter jersey? That's what number he's apparently wearing. Head on down to Royal Sports, your fan headquarters for the best in Winnipeg Jets gear, Winnipeg Blue Bomber gear, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, World Soccer, and more. Uh, they've got it all there. And, of course, personalized jerseys. Um, all of the styles that the Winnipeg Jets have out, including the new Retro Reverse, available at Royal Sports. Check out big hockey sale going on right now with amazing sale uh, st- savings up to 50% on Warrior hockey sticks and more. And with spring break right around the corner, if you got any needs for snowboards, boots, bindings, anything like that, Royal's been the leader in that for decades here in Winnipeg. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Make sure to check them out online as well at Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, of course, looking ahead to the uh, spring and summer, tons of big events, lots of weddings. Guys, how's the wardrobe looking? If you need to uh, boost your wardrobe game, only one place to go, and that is down to see Andrew and the gang 
at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. They are the leading spot for custom clothing for men, including custom suits beginning at just $400. But it's more than just suits. Casual chinos, untucked shirts, uh, tucked-in shirts, all custom-made, uh, golf pants, tons of accessory accessories. F Apparel has it all. And if you are in a wedding party, fellas, Talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits from F Apparel and don't waste money on renting tuxes. If you have a 2023 grad in the family before the big day finishing up high school, custom-suited F Apparel will come with a free custom shirt and tie for any 2023 grads. Pop down and see them. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment or check them out online. F-E-P-H Apparel. Dot com. Um, and hey, right back at it tomorrow for the Winnipeg Jets at home against the Los Angeles Kings. Another big game. Best place to see it, of course, is in person at Canada Life Center. Next best place, hanging out with the gang at your local Boston Pizza. Jets pick a player promos and the game on the big screen with the big sound, all while you chow down on delicious world-famous Boston wings, gourmet pizzas, ice-cold schooners, and more. And you can always order online to get it for home delivery at bostonpizza.com. All right, as I mentioned, we caught up with Dave Poulin a little earlier today to get his thoughts on what is going on with the Winnipeg Jets as well as all the action around the league on a very busy weekend of deals heading into Friday's deadline. um, listen, I know there's a lot happening around the National Hockey League, but pretty tough not to start with the current play to the Winnipeg Jets regardless of who's getting traded and who's coming here. What... uh, what is going on with this team? A lot of nervous fans after watching uh, this stretch, but particularly two ugly ones this weekend. Well, 40 through the last 12 doesn't make anybody happy. And and in particular, I'll point to four home losses in that group. Only lost 10 home games all year, but four have been in the last, you know, not even a month, three quarters of a month. And so I think that's got to be addressed. Um, two different games. I mean, Colorado was one of those nights. And and so you dismiss that one. And yesterday came out and got stifled by a smothering Islander team early. But you're still okay. Um, it, I don't love, you know, the Riddick goal on uh, the Horvat goal. I just don't. I know it's a good shot by a good player, but but I don't like that. But still, it's one nothing after one, and you're fine. And then swarm, and then you've got to find a way to score in that second period you know, before the 2 nothing goal. You know, you had four good chances, in my mind, to shoot the puck early. Uh, you missed it on all four occasions. The tendency when you're not scoring, Andrews, to try and make a perfect shot. And that wasn't, shouldn't have been the goal coming out in the second period. After one shot in the first period, the goal in the second period should have been the first shot has to be in the middle of the net. Like, it has to be. Don't look to pick a corner. Hit the middle of the net. And they missed four times in the first minute, 20 seconds. And come down the ice, there's a confusion between, in my mind, between Gagne and Connor on the coverage. Romanov is left wide open. Their first shot goes in, and it's 2 nothing. And even then, the pushback was good. Um, they got the chances, got the opportunities, weren't able to score, and then Nelson breaks it open. And so, very disappointing. You're going to go through stretches like this, I'd rather have it now. And, you know, I'm the master of positive spin. I'd rather have it now. 
And you can't kid yourself that after a year like you had last year, you are expected at some point to have a little regression. And that's okay, provided you're strong enough to break out. And I think this team is strong enough to break out. Now, a little infusion of positive between the two games in that you had a really good player in Nino Niederreiter. And you didn't see a guy walk over the locker room to bring him in. You know, when, when, when a trade is made, Andrew, and you add a good player to your team, and Nino Niederreiter, six times 20 goals, this will be his seventh year scoring 20. He's got 18 right now. He's a pain to play against. Um, guys don't like playing against him, which you welcome on your team. He goes to the front, man. he's a big guy, he's strong, he's physical, he's played 82 playoff games, but no one walked out of the locker room. And that's that's an important factor. You didn't lose one of your buddies, you didn't pay a price, you know, you paid a second round draft pick in 2024, fine. Um, that's somewhere down the road. And, and I don't think the team is done yet. And so that's the positive between the two games. You would love to have turned that out and come out better against the Islanders and played better, but same result, and that's not good enough. You know, Dave, it was about a month ago where, you know, the Jets come off a long road trip. They came back home, and they had a couple of those home games that you mentioned, that 3-2 loss to Buffalo and that ugly shutout at home to Philadelphia on Saturday night. And the next game was their last game before going to the All-Star break, and it really did feel like, you know, this is a crucial time for the Winnipeg Jets. The Boobers were coming out. They were playing horribly. And then Josh Morrissey put the team on his back in that third period. And we still refer to it as the Morrissey game. And it got some good vibes going into the break. And, and then, of course, coming back out of the break, you had that game at, against the Chicago Blackhawks. They won in the shootout against Seattle and then hit on that road. I'm not, the, the feeling around this team quite a bit is the struggles of that month before. And you mentioned, you know, both things happening or history repeating itself. These, This hockey club in this core has had precipitous drops the second half of the 2019 season, the end of 2020. Obviously, we know what happened last year with uh, with the crew. With that. It was pretty much over earlier. Um, I guess the question yesterday was where, where, what Josh Morrissey did for the team a month ago, where was that response from somebody? I guess we saw Pierre-Luc Dubois drop the Mets. It was only a third time in his career. But, man, I, it, it just can't. I look at this team, Dave, and it looks like guys are looking around the dressing room and no one really knows who that guy is going to step up and put the team on his back because someone needs to do it right now. And I think there's enough there, and I do agree with you. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a good name to do it. Mark Scheifele is a good name to do it. Kyle Connor is a good name to do it. There, there's enough there to do it. Without a question. I also think the infusion of Nino Niederreiter, he's a guy that brings guys to the party. And I mean, you don't have a choice if you're on his line, you're going to be involved. And for that reason, um, strategically, where do you start him? Do you put him on left wing with Scheisley Wheeler? Do you put him on left wing with Dubois? And you've got some options, but I'll guarantee you when he's on the ice and you're a line mate, you're going to be involved. You have no choice. And that's the beauty of it. And I was thinking about him yesterday in a perfect type of game where the Islanders cave in around their net and block shots and make it hard to get the puck through at him going out and just causing havoc in front of the net. That's why I think his strength is going to be with this hockey club. I do think there's enough there um, 
for individuals to stand up and do. I just do. I mean, Josh Morrissey certainly on defense. Um, I don't think David Riddick had his best game yesterday. As I said, he didn't like the first goal. Uh, you know, the other two are I'm okay with, but you know, I'm, I think I don't like the first one. I think the 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 one through traffic or mom shops through traffic. Then he gets beat by Brock Nelson, who's got a pretty good shot and made a good move on the play. But you're correct. They do have to have guys stand up. Now, I think this is a different team in the way they played this year than they were last year. And I think they've proven that uh, with their stats. And even yesterday, the way the game started, I loved the way the game started. And there were four hits on the first shift, and then Brandon Young takes the tripping penalty. And so you get off your edge a little bit, but you have a good kill because you got the number two penalty kill in the league. And so you're confident that you can do that. And, you know, you've just, you've got to continue to go here. You've got to call in the guys that I just mentioned. That's your leadership group. And that should be the guys that are people are doing it. And they got to get together. It doesn't have to be one. It can be two or three. But don't underestimate the infusion of, of Nito Niederreiter. Dave, you've spent a lot of time in NHL front offices in the past. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested in your speculation on what it must be like to be a fly on the wall at Kevin Chevalier's office right now. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it really did seem like this team was going to make a push, put their best foot forward to, you know, try to take advantage of a wide open Western Conference. The way the team has played, certainly I don't think has done much to feel to push the general manager in that direction. Now, they did make that trade on Saturday, but with the contract situations of the likes of Dubois and Shifley and Wheeler, um, how dangerous is it to make aggressive moves right now in Chevrolet's position considering the trajectory of this club and what has happened in the past, knowing that the time is ticking on all of these guys' tenures with the Jets? I don't think you look at the past so much as you look at the first two-thirds of this year or the first half of this year. Mm-hmm. And this is a different group. And and I say that. It can be the same group and play differently because of lessons learned. And, and I think Rick Bonus has done a good job drilling that into that. But you still have one of the top handful of goalies of the league. And as he evidenced in New York with the Rangers and even the Islanders game, he's capable of doing it himself. And so let's, let's plug him into that group that we talked about as well. And because he's capable of doing it on his shoulders and saying, guys, just come with me and we're going to do this. And they're a good enough team defensively and with Connor Helbeck and Nat that they can go ahead and get it done. But I'd reference more the team that was the first half of this year that has hovered near the top of the Central Division the entire year. And it's compressed now, yes, but three wins in a row when you're back in first place. It's as simple as that. You've got to figure out how to do that. And, and and I do think it takes another move, but I think that move will be made. Uh, what about the coach? Um, Bones has said some very different things over the past few losses than he has earlier in this season, and it's been quite apparent. Um, yesterday, focusing on a very few amount of positives, I mean, not really calling out his team. He said the Friday game was the biggest game of the year and then said that they were sleeping afterwards and said that this was the game Sunday that was going to test their character and pride and um, obviously didn't want to go down that road afterwards. Um, This is a guy with a lot of experience, and I'm sure he's leaning on all of it right now heading into this game with the Kings tomorrow. No question about it. You know, he has seen it through his years, both in teams he's coached and all around in other teams that he's known well that he's competed against. But, you know, 
once again, just, you know, through the sequence we've seen, we, we witnessed it. We've watched them play very well. And, and don't, I don't think we can lump together, even though the results are similar, I don't think we can lump together Friday night and Sunday. I don't. You know, I can look at yesterday and say, you need a break at some point as well. And you arguably need a break at one nothing. Now you make your breaks happen. And it might be an ugly goal off, you know, someone's leg or someone's arm or someone's head for that matter. But you have to drill it up and find a way to do it. You know, you also have to look at some individuals, and, and Nikolai Ehlers would be one of them who would say, we need more. You know, you're allowed to look at a guy and say, we need more. Mark Shifley, we need more right now. And, and that's okay to challenge them in that way. They're professionals. They can accept that type of challenge. And sometimes they have to be reminded of what they are capable of because this isn't the Nikolai Ehlers that I've watched in the past when he's been at his best. It's simply not. No, and I mean, I guess there's still questions with, you know, how far he's come back from his surgery, although he sure looked good at the beginning of he his stint and said that he was good. Uh, but he, like so many guys, sort of um, dealing with a lot of things that, you know, haven't been synonymous with this team up until this point when they've been playing well so far this season. Um, back to Niederreiter, I mean, you sort of laid out the sort of player that he is. And I think, uh, frankly, I think it's a great deal, just the fact you've got a $4 million contract for one more season. If there is another trade, you can probably recoup assets that you gave up. And considering some of the prices that are being paid elsewhere in the league, it certainly seems like Chevy got a pretty good value on it. Um uh, but just, Dave, thoughts on what he adds to the lineup. And now that he's a member of the Winnipeg Jets and we'll see him make his debut expectedly tomorrow against L.A., if Kevin Chevaldeoff is still pushing forward on this season with this club, um, what else do you think he's trying to get done before Friday? I'm not sure we know who is available. And, you know, and, you know if I am a team watching the Tanner Janot trade yesterday, and I'm below the line, the playoff line. And I've got a 24 or 25-year-old player that I haven't even considered trading, you know, with control left. Am I now slowing him on the market? And you know, I call him Kevin Sherrill out and saying, hey, would you have any interest in blank? So that's the intriguing thing to me. I mean, we've got the names of some defensemen. You know, I'm always in the mood for a crease-clearing defenseman in front of of. Connor Hellbuck, I always am, because, you know, firsthand we watched Montreal ride out to the Stanley Cup finals in front of Carey Price a couple of years ago when their no-fly zone in front of the net consisted of Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson and, and Jeff Petrie. You couldn't get there. Carey Price saw pucks, he stopped pucks. And if you let Connor Hellbuck see pucks, he's going to stop pucks. So I think that can always be an addition. Uh, you know, who's available in that realm is... Joel Edmondson healthy enough. I'm with Montreal a lot. He hasn't played. Um, when he's played, he's been fine, but he hasn't played. And so you concern yourself with the health there. I'm not sure if Gavikov is an option. He was purportedly going to Boston. That fell through. And Matias Ekholm is another name that's come up. I love what he brings to the game because he brings a grit as well and an offensive side as well. And, and who else is available once again that we don't know? Because I think you know, the West, you've got a couple of teams who've made deals. Vegas picked up Barbashev um, and obviously the Jets, but you have to figure that Edmonton, Calgary, um, some of these teams are going to be involved in some capacity. Colorado, you know, is Dallas going to do something? And what's that going to precipitate and who's who's available? So I, I, I would love to add another crease clear about there. 
that would be something I'd have a high level of interest in. And then maybe maybe a depth forward, maybe somebody to provide more, you know, on the backside of your of your top six. But I, I like the top six. I like the options it gives Rick Bonus in terms of how he can use Nita Ryder because we don't know exactly how this group fits together yet. You know, we it's not determined. It's not in stone that Connor played with Dubois or Connor played with Shifley or how it all fits. So I think there's some time here to tinker and we'll see who becomes available. I think it's going to be active right through Friday, much to James Duffy's delight at three o'clock. Um, well, Dave, you brought up Tanner Cheneau and listen, there are a bunch of trades on the weekend. We can get into a few of them, but this was the jaw dropper. I think not only because he was traded and God knows we'd spend some time talking about how great he'd look in a Winnipeg Jet uniform. And I imagine there were many teams and many front offices that felt that. But I was absolutely stunned at the return that the Tampa Bay Lightning gave up. Cal Foote, I believe, was a former first-rounder. And a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. I mean, you could make a comparison that the Predators might have gotten as much for Jeannot as the Sharks did for Timo Meyer. Um Break this one down for us. Were you surprised at just how pricey Jeannot was for Tampa? I was. And I'm, what I'm not surprised at is that Julian Brisbois has rolled the dice on a team he believes in and that he knows very well. And I think that's the key to this. When Julian sat in that number two seat right from 2009 when Steve Eisenman arrived, 2009-2010, when C.R. Eisenman arrived, Julian Brisbois was sitting in the right-hand chair. He knows that team as well as anyone does. He also knows they've been in the Stanley Cup Finals three times with two trophies to show for it. And he knows what his core is. He knows how long they're going to be together. And he feels that someone in control, the king is in control. And with Blake Colvin and Barkley Goudreau, he had them for a couple of years. And then he brought in uh, Nick Paul. Then he brought in Brandon Hagel. And each one of those prices was big. I mean, the Gaudreau trade was like first-rounders. And, and when he traded two first-rounders for Brandon Hagel, everybody said, what is he possibly thinking? Well, it's got a pretty good trade with control. Jeannot is an $800,000 player under control. So if he signs an extension, now based on he's had a very off year, we've 24 goals in, in last year and five this year. and But he's big, he's physical. He's got a new lease on life. He's going to Tampa. He's going to play with better players. I mean, all of those things factor in. And so what is a, a third-round draft pick in 2025? You know, when is that going to play, and how is it going to affect Nikita Kucherov? He's got the best goaltender in the world. Um, he's got a very solid defense, and he's got three of the top forwards in the last probably five or six years in the league. And so I love the move. I really do. And was the price exorbitant? Yes, it was. Do I question it? No, I do. Does this put any extra pressure on Kyle Dubas, who's already made a big move of his own, giving out significant assets assets to get Ryan O'Reilly, considering these two teams have basically been on a collision course in the first round since, well, I don't know, the middle of November, Dave? I don't think it changes the pressure. I think the pressure is there to, to alter the defense on this hockey club for exactly the type of team they're going to play. You know, Cordero ignore he's going to be hanging. And, you know, we know where, you know, Nick Paul is going to be hanging. We know where the big physical guys on Tampa up front are going to be hanging. Uh, Tanner Janot now, you've got to add into that mix. 
And, and I think the Leafs need a physical player. They've acknowledged a physical player to to liken the loss of what they've lost in Jake Muzzin and how important he was to that hockey club. So I don't think it changes that. Andrew Dismo, I think it, it reaffirms what they know they need, whether they can get it done or not is a different question and whether they have the assets to get it done because I think, I don't think the West is anywhere near done and who knows what happens in the East. Now, five of the top six teams in the East have made a significant, significant move. So five five teams have gotten better. The Boston Bruins got better in, and they were good. I was there on Monday afternoon, and, and they beat a very spirited Ottawa team 3-1, and Boston had to score two overall goals. But the moves that they made, Orlov and Hathaway in, and, and I'll still... You know, I still look at the move they made last year at the trade deadline for Hampus Lindholm as one of the most underrated trade. That was a flat-out hockey trade. They traded a bunch of assets for a hockey player. They brought him in. They re-signed him. And he plays in your top pairing with Charlie Mack. And he's really good. And he's big. And he's young. And, and that's the type of deal I think we're still going to see. You know, if a team were fortunate enough to make that type of deal now, a hockey trade. Not a short-term rental, but a hockey trade. As Donnie Sweeney made last year at the deadline, um, I think there's a lot of action to be done, and I think Toronto has to be involved. What about the one team that hasn't made the big splash in the East, the Carolina Hurricanes? I mean, still one of the favorites, still one of the best teams in the league. They thought they were going to have Mask Pacioretty. He's out for the year right now. Um, when you look at that team, where would you be at? What are you hearing, and uh, what do you expect on Waddell to do, if anything? Because uh, they all, all they don't usually follow everybody else. They often handle things in a very different way, Dave. Well, it's funny as we're talking about all these teams. I was in Carolina on last Thursday with Montreal, so I've seen them firsthand in the last week and a half. And I thought Timo Meyer would have been a terrific fit there, just as he is in Jersey, because that changes the makeup of your hockey club. And both teams, I thought, could have added that big power forward. Um, I, I'm not sure where you find another Timo Meyer. I mean, I don't know that that's an option. I like their team. Auntie um, Auntie played great to help. And, you know, Freddie Anderson's been questioned in the playoffs before. So we don't know where that all heads out. But I, I like their team. Could you get bigger and a little grittier, maybe in the bottom six? That's what Meyer would have brought in the top six for them. But they would have to give somebody up off of the team. My understanding is the way they were configured on their side. While Jersey did not give up one of their top three or four prospects, Luke Hughes, Holtz, uh, the Nimitz kids, so they didn't give up any of those kids. Carolina would, in fact, have had to give up someone from their hockey team, I think, to get the Meyer team deal done. And, and, and they either couldn't make it quite as spicy as Jersey made it, but I could also see them stand status quo. They like what they've got. They like what's happening in their locker room right now. They're a good, fast, hard team to play against. And guess what, Andrew? Only one team is coming out of those top six. And we haven't even talked about, you know, the Islanders and Horvat or where's Pittsburgh going? Where's Washington going? What about Buffalo? Buffalo and Detroit. You know, although I talk about Detroit, they've been on a great roll. Ottawa plays them in a unique circumstance, Andrew. Ottawa plays them tonight and tomorrow night, both at home because of a postponed game before Christmas. And so you got a playoff series now. And I, you know, I spoke with Ottawa this morning. They got 60 points. Detroit has 64. So at the end of tomorrow night, 
guy can be sitting right side by side with Detroit and right on Buffalo's heels. So it's going to be fun. It really is. And and we aren't talking about buyers as those teams. We're talking about growers. You know, is Buffalo going to get involved? And you'd say in their goaltending situation is suspect, except Craig Anderson keeps playing like he's like he's your or my age instead of his age. <laughs> you know, that. I mean, I, I thought that Buffalo maybe was looking like they were done after they uh, got worked by the Leafs, but OT win in Tampa, following that up on the next night with a win in Florida against... Like, what? where's Florida in all this, Andrew? Where are they? They're... Everybody mentioned they're... them. Bye-bye. mentioned them. Well, part of the reason, Dave, is, is that they played 61 games. All these other teams have played 58 and 59, and they're still not above the line right now. Uh, I imagine this has been building for a while, but they're sort of at the point where if they don't get on a significant run, they're just simply running out of games. And what a disappointment that would be for a team that was so good last year to miss the playoffs. Almost inconceivable coming into the year. Yeah, they're down to one goaltender right now, too, with Sergei Bobrovsky because of the unfortunate situation with Young Spencer Knight. And so they're hard done by. But if I get that locker room, Andrew, to your point about them having played three, almost four more games than everybody else, I would simply say, man, we are so lucky. Those teams are going to be exhausted having to play all those games. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Dave. You're right. You have a knack. You have a special talent. Hey, bringing it back to the West for a minute. Obviously, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about the Winnipeg Jets. Jets see Edmonton on Friday, trade deadline day, and then back here. Um, very interested in your thoughts on where the Oilers are at right now. And what about the Calgary Flames, who right now, are out of the playoffs, but you look at the struggles of some of the teams ahead of them, including Winnipeg, you'd have to think that they believe they're still in this in basically a nine-team race for eight spots. Correct. I see both teams being active uh, and both making a significant play, but I see Winnipeg making a play as well. And not reactive to those situations, but of their own accord. And that's why I think it's going to be an active week. We start mentioning teams like that. What you know? Where does Colorado factor into that? I mean, I think they're you know they've never really filled the whole thousand category. Left is somebody available or something available. And the one player that's not going to be available, it looks like because of injury now. Though three weeks ago, he was back skating with the team on game day skates. And that's Sean Monahan. And you know, with the centermen that have gone. Already wore that, and Ryan O'Reilly, Jonathan Taves off the market, Dylan Larkin, I think off the market. And with those four, you had the uniqueness of four captains. You know, a few weeks ago, they were being talked about as being available for captains. And in those four guys, Monaghan, a fifth guy, would have been very attractive, a 28 year old, and would come back and play very well in Montreal, but he won't be a shocker now down this stretch. I thought he would have been a perfect fit in Colorado where he healthy to go in, you know, and sort of JT Conference done a good job there, but ideally he's in the three hole. Calgary Edmonton, I see both being active. And, you know, they both got savvy veteran general managers who have made bold moves in their past. And if you're sitting like if I'm Connor McDavid, are you not kind of hanging out outside the GM's office saying, you following you there? Can we get involved or can we pick somebody up here? Or uh, you do remember, I'm still here, right? Leon's still here. We're a pretty good team and we're pretty capable. So let's get it done here. You know, and I think their help would be on the defensive side of things. But 
once again, I think I think we're going to have an active week. Uh, Vegas got Barbashev. Uh, I imagine the Kellys are going to be looking to uh, fill up that cap space, take it up by Mark Stone going to LTIR, and that's another team that you know is going to be in on a lot of remaining players on the market. I would agree. Every shiny piece that's you know been out there for the last three or four years, they've been involved here. Every conversation, they won't shy away from it now. Um, we knew that about Bill Foley before that hockey team played a game. And, you know, he sat at dinner with us one night. There were five of us at dinner. And he said, we'll win the Stanley Cup in the first six years. And I remember the two guys on his side of the table, both <laughs> both coughing or, or, or trying to digest what they just eaten or drank. And there were gentlemen on our side of the table. We both smiled and said, well, it's. That's pretty handy. Well, they, of course, went to Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, but haven't accomplished the goal that Bill Foley set out. So they're going to be involved. Remember, Kelly McCrimmon is going to be involved. And and guys, we haven't even said a word about the LA Kings. Where do they sit in this mix? What about Seattle? Lots of players involved. Normally you could say, well, that team's going to stand tight. But if I were Rob Blake, I'd be highly interested in striking at a goaltender position right now. Well, I'm sure that'll be a big topic tomorrow as the Kings come into town, as the Jets look to break this funk that they're in, and a big game between two of those teams in the uh, in the playoff race in the West. Dave, what uh, what's the week like for you? Are you going to be uh, in the studio on Friday, all hands on deck for Trade Center? I will. I've got the coveted seat beside Mr. Duffy, and uh, we'll have a full house in there. And so that ride ends about, probably about leave the house about quarter to 6 a.m., Andrew, and uh, this may surprise you or may not, but I have to get the makeup chair a little bit early. Um, it does take a little bit to put this face on. I'm <laughs> one of the early guys in there. I'm always one of the early birds anyway, because I like hanging out. You don't get to see everybody at the same place at the same time. And we all get there. And, you know, I enjoy the hour and a half before we go on the air, watching the buzz in the room. And we'll have the big panel up front with the five, and then we'll have... Um, the breakers on one side with the goalie panel on the other side. We have the overdrive crew in there with Brian Hayes leading that charge. Gino Red. We got everybody involved. And uh, it, it's going to be really fun. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And, and I know Duffy always threatens to that we're going to run out of things to talk about. But I'll tell you what, it's hard pressed to think that from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is a long work day. That's a day that flies by for us. We have a lot of fun ton of energy in the place and looking very very forward. a little bit of work to do this week um i think i've got the panel and the leaf game thursday night in calgary i've got some gina ren stuff to do but it'll be a good week of, of talking to a lot of people doing my final homework and my highlighter zone and working on my book for trade deadline day it's a good week for me get get those get those highlighters out multiple colors multiple teams multiple players colors. out it's going to be great. We'll look forward to checking it out, Dave. And as always, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, getting a few people off the ledge maybe today with uh, after the weekend that we just had here in Winnipeg. Have a great one. Good luck Friday to you and the, ca- uh, the gang. And we'll look forward to catching up real soon. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Always appreciate Dave joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we'll focus back in on the Winnipeg Jets in just a minute with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. Pushing 500 in chat, folks. If you're new or if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. We are here Monday to Friday, live at 1 o'clock Central. Um, but if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, which, of course, is absolutely free, if you're not able to join us when you get to YouTube, freshest, latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content will be there. 
And of course, if uh, anyone hasn't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you just look up Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite pods and hit the subscribe for the audio feed as well, available usually around 3.30 Central Time on weekdays. All right, Hammer coming up next. Two things I quickly wanted to get to from the weekend that were positive, that were fun, that were, well, listen, the Manitoba-Canada final between Carrie Anderson and Jen Jones. What a way to end the Scotties as the Manitoba women continue to run this country. Carrie, along with her team, four straight Scotties championships tying a record with that win yesterday. And, of course, Jen was going for an all-time record seventh. Um, It was a shame somebody had to lose, uh, but it'll be Carrie and her team representing Canada and Sweden. Was just texting with her. We'll look forward to have... uh, the skip of the champs on a little bit later on this week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And the other thing that I went to, and we talked about it on Friday, was a really special night for hoops in our city on Saturday. The U of M Bisons hosting the U of M Westman for a trip to the Canada West Finals and a trip to Nationals. What an atmosphere at Investors Group Athletic Center. Completely sold out. Um, the biggest game for the men's side of the Crosstown rivalry ever. And it was the U of W pulling the upset. 73-70 win. Congratulations to UW. Westman going to Nationals for the first time in 30 years. And I am a Bison guy. I was cheering for University of Manitoba. But I have a new favorite basketball player. And it's Sean Moran on U of W. Um, little Filipino guy from Sisler, 5'8", 5'9" was unbelievable in that game. And I got to tell you, thinking about the Sea Bears and the future of that team, and they were well represented as well, you saw how much of the Filipino community was out there for that game, how big basketball is in. I really do hope that community is going to be represented on the team um, because I think, that, I think that will really add some incredible energy to the new CBL team. But congratulations to U of W, what a win, and um, best of luck at Nationals in the Can West Final. Um, we will talk more curling this week because the Briar's starting on the weekend, and when we talk Briar and we talk curling, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the sport from coast to coast, and of course, proud sponsors of Team Jennifer Jones. We had such an amazing run at the Scotties. Princess Auto is where you find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need. To compete the, the to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, our friends at Culligan Water, now well over 65 years in the business, locally and family owned as the go-to people for water and water services here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. They've got it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. You can visit them in person at 1200 Sargent Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180 or check out all of Culligan's water products and services for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And while we certainly won't be cheersing the performances of the Jets on the weekend, there probably was a few people that needed a stiff drink after a couple of those games. And of course... Canadian club always there in the cabinet for you with Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and of course the official spirit 
and whiskey of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Canadian club displays at all local Manitoba liquor marts. Pick it up today. And when you're at your local beer store, don't forget that Canadian club and ginger ale premix cocktail also ready as well. Look forward to having a few of those coming up this summer at IG Field. All right, let's welcome in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Wow, we've got a lot to get to, Jeff. Quite a weekend. Um, a pretty significant trade made, but that's almost secondary because one player I'm not sure is changing much when a team plays the way that they did on Friday and Sunday night. Um, what, what did you make of the Jets' performance on the ice before we talk about potential trades and the makeup of the roster going forward? Those, it was ugly on Friday, and I'm not sure it got any better despite what the coach said yesterday afternoon. Look at the game against the Colorado Avalanche. You're at home. It's Friday night. You just got off a miserable road trip. You're back home. You're, you're, you're pissed off from that. You've, you, you've, you haven't even dipped in the standings because everybody else in the West hasn't exactly you know carried carried their weight either except for the Colorado Avalanche um, and you have a chance to move into first place in the central and you get your asses fed to you I mean this is this is the this is the thing that I think is is the interesting part is that you know this team is, has been heavy on excuses for a long time I mean imagine the Jets get imagine it was roles reversed if you will or the Jets were surging up the uh, up the standings and you know they were coming into a, a place where you know, they were the visitors and, 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 and had been off for four days like the Colorado Avalanche would have been. It would have been all about rust, how the Jets had been rusty and that they hadn't, you know. And, and so, like, right now, it's just – it's a search for answers. I mean, this is – this team's been challenged twice by Rick Bonus to, to send a message, and that message used to be delivered. Well, it's not being delivered anymore, and the result of it is just garbage hockey um, and a drop in the standings. I mean, I know the Jets are only a few points from – from first place, if you will. Well, not a few, about five now um, and counting with games. Um, but they're now sitting in a they, – they, let's just say they woke up yesterday, second place in the Central, and went to bed uh, with the first wild card spot. That's how tight things have gotten. That's how much of a, a, a grasp they've had in the first Central Division. signs have been released, and here we are, you know, trying first, to search for answers. Let's say I spent a lot of time looking at the standings and the scoreboard. I'm not looking at first place right now, Jeff. Uh, the team I'm looking at is the Calgary Flames, who's five points back of the Winnipeg Jets. They are yeah. outside of the playoff line right now, and uh, I, I have sort of felt that there have been some alarm bells going off dating back to even before this last road trip. And it's interesting how Rick Bonus has handled things quite differently. He's been taking a different tact in the media. Um, but, like, right now, this is about making the playoffs and about not... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you could argue that the last month, so much of the goodwill, the spot in the standings, everything has been eroded by the way the team has played. And, um, you know, we played the clips coming into Friday, coming out of Friday, going into Sunday's game. This was, I mean, I'll use Rick Bonus's quote. I mean, sometimes this game challenges your character and pride, and this was a big test yesterday. And I think that might have been part of the reason why Rick tried to really focus on limited or uh, exaggerated victories from yesterday because of everything that he put in going into that game because there's not much more concerning than saying, listen, this is a test of our character and our pride and to come out and put up one shot in the first period and, you know, essentially have the New York Islanders, a team below them in the standings that, you know, has, well, we've seen them. They're playing a pretty committed to what they have with the limited guys that they have in the lineup right now. Um, 
it's, it's disastrous. And you mentioned about not having any answers. There's been no answers, and there hasn't even been one guy seemingly stepping up in the game and trying to do that spark. I mean, um, it was lifeless at times in that building. Zero speed. I mean, how many times did you feel like did you feel like when the Jets got the puck, they were either standing still, not moving, and it was it was an easy check, and and you know the play went back up the other way. I mean, this is not this is the reality is the game in which the New York Islanders play and, and, you know, other team, more better teams, more consistent teams at the top of the standings, they don't go out every night and wing it. You know, they, they're committed to a hard play of hockey, a hard style of hockey. And, and that commitment isn't going to be there for 82 games. You can't ask a team to play that way 82 games, but you need to be playing that way more often than not. And the reality is Rick bonus built a team built a team that lasted 52 games because after that, we've just seen a lot of the same, the same jets that we've seen in previous years. This, this, you know, nothing like their play resembles nothing to the structure we saw, you know, I want to say earlier in the year because they got through those growing pains, but certainly through, you know, through a third of the season and and near the midway mark. And then all of a sudden things get tough. I mean, we talked, and they crumble. We we talked about this. We talked about this on your show. I've written about this several times. It's yeah, the good times are rolling, and the, and guess what? The good times were a lot of fun. You were able to come on these shows, talk about how dominant the Jets were. That you know, it was it was it was a lot more fun to cover this team. You 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 know, winning breeds success. It, it breeds smiles. It breeds openness. Guys can be guys can be critical of one another. Uh, you know, they can be critical of their play all because the results are there. But the question that was the massive question that was always kind of waiting in the wings is what is this team going to react when things get tough? Because they really, I mean, of course you face adversity as a hockey team. All 32 teams face adversity throughout the season and and they come in different shapes and forms. But this team from a results uh, perspective was were, were riding high until they started losing games and it's like mark you know go back to that game was it st louis game a team that was also that also has been playing inconsistent that josh morrissey took the team on his back and then you know all of a sudden we're, we're appointing him the norris trophy winner again and and everything is back to being blue skies and then they go back for 10 they leave for 10 days and come back and they've been garbage ever since i mean this is a team that's not built for a long season, not mentally strong. And, and now that they're up, their backs are up against the wall. It's like they're, they're too timid to play. They're too, you know, I thought it was an interesting comment that Mason Appleton made at the end of the game of Colorado about giving, giving their star players too much respect. That's what it looks like on the ice. It's like the jets just don't believe they're good enough to beat anybody at this point. And it's just like, you're waiting for someone to take over the game. And we keep talking about, you know, the Mark Scheifele's, Pierre-Luc Dubois, all these guys that are going to sign big money, you know, somewhere else or maybe here in Winnipeg. Well, none of these guys have really done anything in this league as far as winning. They score points. None of them have really proven to take a team or put a team on their backs and help them out and push them through, you know, the toughest time. Like, even throughout all those all those games we were hearing about getting through the growing pains, and they survived those. Hellebuck was a big part of that, obviously. You know, we, we talked about... How after the you know after the All Star break the competition just gets tougher the games get harder teams get better well we're watching teams get better and we're watching the Jets get worse and that's because it's crunch time right now this is where you need to have those second and third efforts this this isn't easy 
like if this job was easy, every team would be doing long playoff runs. It's the teams that are that are mentally strong that can be committed to their game that can that can not crumble at, at the smallest bit of adversity. Much like we used to see in the previous years that we hadn't seen much this year, that confidence has been stripped. And now we're waiting for it to come back. And so this whole idea of turning a switch on and getting things, you know, you know, fixed in the last 20 games, it's not impossible, but it but it needs to start with some consistent play and some consistent efforts because we're just yeah. not getting that really from anybody throughout the roster. You, you know what is, it is somewhat bizarre? Um, and again, I mean, you all can make your own decisions on how correlated this stuff is. But the Winnipeg Jets survived all that time without so many key players in their lineup. And it's the last six weeks that this team has been mediocre to below average more often than not. And that, of course, coincides with the return of Wheeler, Ehlers, um, Nate Schmidt, and was it Mason Appleton that was out as well at that time? And... And the thing about it is, we've talked a lot about the bottom six, and the bottom six is certainly part of the problem. They've had nothing offensively for a long, long time. But the thing is now, when when everyone else, to use your point, Jeff, is cranking things up and taking their game to the next level, the difference makers on this team, or a, the vast majority of them, have been invisible in some of these games. And... I mean, when Rick Bonus is challenging his team, let's face it, I think he's challenging starting off with those top guys, the guys that are getting the ice time, that are on the top six, the first um, first line of the power play. And um, as I said, I mean, it's a pretty big indictment of this club. I mean, to be called out, to be challenged the way they are, and to come back with back-to-back performances like that. And I mean, I guess the other big part of it, Jeff, is you know the trade deadline is Friday. And if this had happened a month earlier, if they hadn't maybe survived that period where they were without guys, and I mean, it was it was impressive the way they were working, the way they were grinding out wins. I'm not sure that the entire scenario around the team isn't very different as far as the trade deadline. But, you know, I know Rick Bonus has, this is his first year with the club, and he's maybe finding out things that he hadn't known before, and this is a new challenge for him as the head coach. It's not if you're the general manager. And compounded with it is the uncertainty of the contracts beyond this year for a number of players. Like, I don't think for a minute that a week or two weeks ago that they were thinking on anything other than doing what they could to supplement this roster and hopefully get a good playoff run. But I have to admit, considering what we've seen in 19, what we've seen in 20, Kevin Shevoldayoff's been watching all of this. And as much as people have their takes in chat, um, they know it and they see what's going on with this hockey club. I can't help but wonder whether there is a second plan that is at least being discussed and talked about, which might include far more roster surgery that might not necessarily help the team in the short term, but might be necessary moving forward because it's pretty hard to make the argument that this is the group that's going to get it done right now this year or in the future and that doesn't even talk about the difficulties of re-signing these guys which if you're not going to re-sign them resigning them they're diminishing assets the longer you go yeah absolutely so first and foremost it's the team's job to tell to show the the general their general manager that that they're you know for lack of a better term worthy of 
getting help, of, of going out to compete in what is an astronomical market this year. Okay, you have an entire East of Eastern Conference of juggernauts who are all playing the sick game of one upping each other, trying to bring in you know the best roster because they know it's going to be a slog. Um, and so you have to convince your general manager that it's worth you know mortgaging, if not some, then a good chunk of your future for glory this season. And when you look at this team and playing 500 hockey, how, in what ways possible? Can you make an argument that this team is going to is going to get out of the first round, let alone let alone go on this long run? I mean, they're in trouble right now, as you mentioned, Haas off the top. The Calgary Flames are, you know, it's it's really a race between these two teams on who can figure it out first. Because if you can have a hot week right now, you're going to be making some real moves. All of a sudden, those five or six points that separates them with the Flames becomes an even an even tally and and now it's now you're now you're really up against it and so the other part too is that when you look at this last month of hockey by the Jets Kevin Sheveldayoff's job's already tough as a general manager trying to convince players to come to Winnipeg you know like, let's face it I mean you you talk about these different plans I think they're really it like if, if plan A is to you know if the Jets are rolling and 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 and, you know, they're leading the Western Conference and they look like absolute juggernauts. Yeah, plan A is to go out and try to get the best players possible, um, you know, to, to sell off the future, to, to, to really put yourself in a position like you're seeing Tampa Bay, like you're seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs, like you're seeing Boston, all these teams coming out of the East building because they have all these tools already in place and they've been rolling all season. Well, the Winnipeg Jets... I mean, given where they are, that's plan, you know, that's not plan A. Plan A is not even in the stratosphere in the best of times. Plan B, and I think has always been plan A for this team, is to improve it, but to get players with term, right? I mean, we've seen in the past, they, you know, they've they've gone after rentals, obviously. Kevin Hayes is one of them. Paul Stastny, who's, you know, who signed a signed an extension here later, right? I mean, was dealt but came back to, and so you, you, there is potential for that. But at the same time, like I always think, it's about finding the right pieces. Like Kevin Shevelyev needs to be extremely smart in this market because he can't just give because he can't just give away assets because that's like picks and and prospects um, galore because that's ultimately his future team. He, he is, he doesn't have the luxury of going out into free agency and paying top dollar. He doesn't have the luxury of being a prime destination, um, for, for guys that want to go on uh, the guys that want to, you know, get trade or get off their no movement trade. If Winnipeg happens to be on it. And on top of that is what player is looking at the Winnipeg jets right now, where they have a, you know, I mean, obviously if they don't have a movement clause then it's not really up to them, but sometimes teams talk to players and get them involved. Um, what, what player would want to come to Winnipeg either to compete for a playoff run that doesn't look like it's going to be all that successful or two, want to stick around and play long-term for a team that seems like it's going to be dishing its core in a couple of years. So if not sooner than that. So it's everything's working against the Winnipeg Jets right now. Um, it's happened at the worst possible time around the deadline. And then couple that with the fact that the market is astronomical. It just doesn't look good for Winnipeg. And, you know, to be a fly on the wall uh, of Kevin Sheveldayoff's office with his advisors and stuff to see what they're talking about and what the future could hold. I still think they're going to do something here in this trade deadline, um, whether that's massively different than their original plan or what would have eventually, you know, rolled out anyways, who knows. But I definitely think at this point in time, you're looking less at the idea of bringing in quick solutions for this season and looking more 
about what, you know, because this is a prime time to make deals about more about what the future looks like and some of the holes you're going to have to fix once Pierre-Luc Dubois' situation, you know, becomes an issue before Mark Shifley's contract status becomes an issue. That's what this deadline needs to be, well, I think, valuable. At. Well, well, I mean, let's just talk in the present on Monday of the week of the trade deadline. We just saw Tanner Janot go for a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and Cal Foote, who I believe was a late first rounder. Yeah. If that's what a team like Tampa is paying for Tanner Janot, what's Pierre-Luc Dubois worth right now with another year under team control? I mean, you got to remember, though, Tampa Bay's picks are not, you know, I mean, I guess Winnipeg's not far, far off from them. But, you know, those look like a lot of picks, but those are those are deep picks and deep, you know, in, in rounds. So as, as much as they're valuable, like a, a top 15 first round pick is going to be a heck of a lot more valuable even than a late first rounder and a late second rounder combined. Well, you know? no, I, I, I agree. I, I'm just saying that. Well, I mean, listen, I bring up Tanner, you know, because that was a bit of an eye, a jaw dropping return. I well, think Pete from most Blackford people on Twitter brought up Adam. What could Adam Lowry get right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like guy has Tanner's not scored. He scored his first goal, I think, since last season against the Jets this year, you know, you know, and, you know, obviously the Jets don't want to deal. I'm just keen about Adam Lowry, but he's kind of that type of player. Like you're telling me Adam Lowry could get that type of return. It's kind of uh, wild. Well, anyway, well, stop it, interrupting it, well, it, absolutely. And I mean, you know, with the way things are right now, at some point, this is going to get um, significantly shaken up, whether they like it or not. And. I, listen, as I say, I don't think this was at all part of the plan a couple of weeks ago, but when you're looking at this happen again with this club and we're focusing on this core, I mean, you can rearrange the deck chairs in the bottom six, whatever. Listen, I, I think Shevel Dave did, did a great job in acquiring Niederreiter for a second round pick, especially when you consider some of these other prices that have been paid. And the fact that he's got another year left on his contract, if you come at this point next season and you're out of it, you're probably able to get at least that back, I would imagine, in a trade at a deadline without that year. All that being said, though, Jeff, um, it would be, and again, I don't expect this to happen, but you would have to think that the recent play of this team is seriously making them reevaluate the confidence level in the guys that they have, in the changes that we saw for the first 45, 50 games of the season, whatever it was, considering the way things are. The only thing that I think might, you know, prevent those talks or thoughts from getting more serious is the fact that this is a nine-team race for eight spots for all intents and purposes. And despite how poor the team has looked over the last little while, they still are in a spot. They've got five points on Calgary. And if they can get it together, they should be able to, you know, get back into it and be that team. But what has happened to the team that got all those wins beforehand, and it doesn't seem like anyone's got any answers right now. Well, and the only saving grace for this club, I'd argue, is that they're not in the East. So if they do pick up a handful of pieces, maybe they do become a team that um, you know can make can make a run in the West, right? I mean, we keep hearing about how dominating the East is. Only one team can come out of the East, right? So you know, if you're looking at the Colorado Avalanche that are surging, do you think you can beat them? Probably not in a seven-game series, but you did beat them twice earlier this season, so maybe you can figure it out. I mean, Dallas hasn't exactly been impressive. They've been playing some worse hockey. I think they figured it out a little bit now here, but they were playing worse hockey than the Jets. 
you know, Vegas is going to retool. They're going to be a good, they're going to be a good team, obviously, but it, there's a feeling that you can, you can get some momentum in the West. And that's probably the only thing that's the saving grace here of, 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 of doing anything uh, at the deadline. Because if you're looking at the East, if you were in the East and you were the Winnipeg Jets, like you're just hoping for, you know, to strike lightning in the playoffs, you know? And, and so I do like the Nino Niederreiter, the, the Nino Niederreiter trade. I think he does come in at a, you know, obviously a fair cost and he brings in the kind of player that, that the Jets desperately need. Someone who plays with intensity, someone who plays with heart, plays with all those things uh, that the Jets just haven't, that have that, just been lacking, you know, for, for such a long time here. But um, to me, like, I, I really do think, you know, this team, We've seen you have the you have the pieces that 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 you have some of the pieces that make for a good that make for a strong playoff run. You have Connor Hellebuck in net, right? You ha- like the Jets have been absolutely pitiful when it comes to scoring, but you have you have high end scoring. Like you just need to find out what's what's you know whether it's one too many passes, whatever it is. We've seen this team score, so we know they can score. I'd argue you could probably use a couple upgrades on defense, um, but right now. You know, although, you know, the goal, ultimate goal is the Stanley Cup. When you look at what the Jets have done in previous years, like when was like we have it like the win, the city hasn't had a whiteout party in forever. Right. The angst has been has been skyrocketed. The apathy has come in. Fans just are not not nearly as excited about this team certainly as they were earlier in the year, but over the years than they were prior to that long run in 2018, right? So there's a, there's, I imagine there's also a sense that, you know, th- we've seen this team play well. If we can add a few more pieces to this group, then maybe we can get some good vibes in because I really think this team needs some good vibes around this city um, for their hockey team to have some of those outdoor parties, to have some of those whiteouts, to remind fans what it's like to be excited because they're heading down a path here that if 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 uh, Kevin Shevoldayoff cannot be a magician and fill some of those holes on the fly, they could very well be in a in a tough situation in a couple of years' times. And on top of that, if they get rid of some of their future assets, those tough times might even be tougher uh, once they arrive in, in you know how many however years' time. Well, exactly, and that's why I think they have to, and I'm sure they are, to seriously discussing, you know, all of their options right now. Because I could make an argument that you could trade Dubois, you could trade Shifley right now, and, you know, you're probably not bringing in a player at their level, um, but certainly there'd be benefits down the road for it. And I don't care what the changes you could make to this roster right now, there's no way this team could look worse than they did over the course of the last couple games at home, as well as at times on that road trip. Well, and I and and to your point about you know I I think it's it's high time here. If it's not sooner than later, I think you have to shake up the core, right? Because a lot of the names you're hearing about trade pieces are like you know Billy Hainala or maybe a Mason Appleton or a Logan Stanley, you know, like guys that are in the periphery of like the main yeah. core, like. I think at this point in time, if you're getting a call about Pierre-Luc Dubois, for instance, I mean, I get Pierre-Luc Dubois is a, you know, a bit of a one-of-a-kind player in the sense that he's you know, a strong power forward. There are times where he cares, obviously. Um, you know, he fought last game. You know, I thought he showed a little bit of passion compared to his, you know, his, his teammates. But if you're, if you're getting offers from teams that are hungry, that, that want to pay a premium, that are willing to pay you know, significant uh, put together a significant package for him. How do you not listen to those right well, now? Well, especially I mean, with Dubois, because 
if you believe what everyone's saying, that time is coming at some point. I mean, if you don't think you're going to be able to re-sign him, I, I mean, if things were different, and I mean, I've kind of tried to hold out hope this year that, man, this team up until recently has had a great season. What if they do go in, have a great run, he's part of a playoff run? Maybe that does make a guy consider that. From everything that we're hearing from people that are far more plugged in than me, that doesn't seem like that that is an option. So then, if you know you're going to have to do it at some point, do you hold on this year hoping that things are just going to turn around? Or do you jump at an opportunity to set yourself up with the best possible return for a player like that? And at the same time, definitely shake up what's happening right now in that locker room. Because as I go back to this, look, could they add, could they help be helped by some more from that bottom six? For sure. Is Niederreiter going to be a nice add to that top six? Absolutely. But and I'm going to even take Connor Hellebuck out of this because I think that he got hung out to dry on Friday. I talked about it at the start of the show. I mean, the one game they won on the road trip was because he was brilliant Connor Hellebuck. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing happening with this team if they don't get night and day performances, commitment, energy from Mark Shifley, Connor, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, those four players right now are going to be the guys that step up, put the team on their backs, and lead the way, or they're going to, or we're going to see more of what we saw on the weekend. Because, as they say, the bottom six isn't saving the day at any point. I mean, Josh Morrissey's doing everything that he can do out there. Hellebuckle makes some big saves at times to keep you in games. But, I mean, right now, that power outage and just the level of, of everything that you want to see from a team that needs to dig deep and find a way to find themselves and battle back was completely absent on the weekend. And I mean, and that's got to be very, very sobering for somebody pulling the trigger on potential deals, as well as thinking about what this team looks like, never mind in a year or two, but in a month and where your team might be if this continues. Yeah. Your predicament in, in, in that kind of situation, whether, you know, say someone starts calling for a Pierre-Luc Dubois, well, you know, and gives you a, gives you a package that you just can't resist. Um, the issue is, is that, you, you know, while, while the confidence is certainly taking a hit in that Jets room right now, they still do believe they have the team to do something special this year, right? They, they look at the year as a whole, not the, at the last six weeks or so, um, and believe that, you know, with a little bit of direction, with the, you know, gumption, whatever, whatever words you want to use, can somehow get out of this slide. So trading, uh, you know, a key piece to that, would ultimately derail that momentum, right? We've we, we've seen this team fold like a cheap tent when they get a when they get a bad goal scored on them. Imagine if a, one of their stars got dealt and no one was coming back for them. You know what I mean? Like the the mental toll it would take on this team would be too much. I think they would, you know, I don't think, you know, I think they'd go, whatever go to go in a tailspin for lack of a better term. But the reality is, is this team hasn't shown that they can that they deserve that, and so that tailspin's um, already happening. No, for sure, but it has outside for sure. Oh, I yeah, no, a hundred percent. But I'm just saying that if if you if you ultimately whether it's inevitable or not, by trading a star player, by by showing you don't have a confidence in this group right now, that would do irreparable damage, in my opinion, to the likes of Connor Hellebuck, to the likes of Mark Shifley, to the likes of you know Blake Wheeler to a lesser degree, but because he's just because he falls in that that contract category, you know, timeline is that you would have people that are now looking for, for greener pastures, right? Like this is the year that after a couple, 
you know, crappy years. This is the year that they've risen up and they're going to do something special to tear that all down by getting rid of one of their key players would ultimately, I think, you know, obviously the move would suggest you're looking towards the future, but I think you're, you're making your bet a little bit that might already be made with some of those players, but maybe has a little bit of a wrinkled sheet left over that you could sneak in and try to get a deal done. Getting rid of a key player at this point in time, being a seller, um, I just don't think would bode well overall for this, this team's uh, mojo. Well, I, I, I agree with you, but I mean, listen, as I said, I'm not sure the mojo could be much worse than it seems to be right now. You're around the team quite often on a regular basis. I mean, it doesn't seem like the team has any answers, and and not we're not fun. seeing anyone, even if they're whatever they're saying in front of the microphones. What really matters is what they're doing on the ice, and I mean the complete lack of um, uh, of energy and commitment to just showing that you care. I mean, I often use this term, the given f meter. I mean, listen, I guess, I mean, it wasn't like they were not trying yesterday. I don't want to put it out that way. And Rick talked about it. Sometimes, you know, teams are, but they're just slow. The amount of passes they were putting into they're guys. They're slow. Skates. They're running into each other. They're it, doing backhanded passes. They're doing things that they, that like you'd see at a, a 9A1 all-star game. So, I mean, I guess the point being is that, I mean, we can say, oh, what would it do to the mojo? It's not doing any worse than what's happening right now. That might continue, I guess but you'll be in a very different situation going forward. I mean, they need to find themselves. And I don't think it's going to be Nito Niederreiter or anybody else that's coming in to save the day on behalf of a contract. It's going to be within. And, I mean, this is a huge challenge for Rick Bonus, but, I mean, he's obviously trying some different things, a different tact. He's been saying some different things. Um this is the old look in the mirror time for a lot of key players on that club, considering what we saw this weekend and what had been creeping into their game, becoming more and more a story of the last little while. And as I say, we always talk about how the team, you know, earns the opportunity for their general manager to go out and, and make those moves. And that was a big part of the narrative around the first 40, 45 games of the year. This team's in first place. This team's challenging for first place. This is a year that Kevin Chevalier is going to go and spend some assets to make a real, real serious push this season. Um, I can't help but think that the commitment to that has to have been eroded by the way the team's played, and that's what makes this next four days so fascinating because there's some things that I would have said would have never been considered or on the table that I think honestly have to be considered right now. And yeah, that may take a bit of a dent out of realistic hopes this season. But if you think that this is the core going forward, it's going to be this year and next year, and then you're going to be completely rebuilding it, turning it around. If you're getting your answers early enough, maybe you can do something that significantly helps the team more so going down the road and turning over that core into a group of younger players. I mean, that's what they're going to be looking for if they trade any of those guys that we mentioned. You'd love to get some more first-round picks, and you'd love to have some younger players under team control that might be able to come in and play a different role than they're getting with the current teams that they're at right now. But that's going to be the turnover from this club, and this might have been a smack in the face to people that are in decision-making processes of things that have happened before that might mean they need to think about it now. Yeah, well, back to that like fly-on-the-wall thing with Kevin Chevalier's office and his group of people, I mean... I mean, we're talking about a rebuild here, right? Rebuilds are years in the making. Rebuilds, you know, you've seen them in Chicago where they, you know, went season after season of dismal play and, and racked up first, you know, high draft picks. You saw that in, 
Edmonton seemingly forever. I mean, that's the kind of slow rebuild we're talking about. And uh, the question is, is, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff has been here for, thir- what, 13 seasons now? You know, like, is he going to get five, six more? Is he going to be a 20-year guy here? Like, is he, does he have that support, that confidence in Mark Chipman that that he can tear it all down right now and, and rebuild under his guidance? I mean, the Jets have one playoff run, you know, and they lost to an expansion team in the in the conference finals. It was a really exciting run, but that's one run in 13 years. Remember when he first got here? It was the five-year plan. What is it now, the 15-year plan? I mean, at the end of the day, like, what, what doesn't work doesn't work. And if, if, if you all of a sudden you're, you're now looking at the team that you created, that you put in, in place here and, and, and determined after this long and with this core that they're no longer a winning group, like what, what gives Mark Chipman the confidence in Kevin Cheveldayoff off that he's going to get it right the second time? Well, listen, I don't have the answer to that, but that's his job, and he's in that job right now. So Of course, but we're my living... point is, is in that job, is, is he looking at five years down the road? Or is he looking at two years down the road? And if he can somehow survive a mass exodus of his key players, then maybe he warrants a, another shot at it. But I, but I don't know if collecting a bunch of picks and stuff at that point in time and doing this all over again is going to be ju- is, is a justifiable well, situation for him to Do you not agree that that's going to happen at some point? Oh, absolutely. But that's my, my point is, my point is, I guess my point is, is that this year, are you doing that this year, right? Like, is this not your last chance? You weren't planning to do on, a, on a couple of weeks of ago. But as I say, this is all about how they feel, if they feel that this is going to be salvageable, if the team's going to snap out of it, or if it's another confirmation of some fears that they absolutely had over the course of the past two and three seasons. They decided to come back with a new head coach. Well, guess what? It's all happening again. So if they are, are at that point and you know, and I'll just, I'll focus in on Dubois because Dubois is the guy that everyone tells us is not going to be here around. So you don't want to lose that guy for nothing. Um, there, there might be an offer right now considering what is being paid and what that guy could bring to another team that could significantly help you next year, the year afterwards with players and picks that might fit into a new level. I I'm just saying the writing's on the wall for this group and this core at some point. And if it's not now, it's probably significantly changed this summer and certainly the year afterwards. So I mean, in some ways, and I know there's probably some people in the chat that agree with this, what has happened if this is the unveiling of the team that actually has been here all along and this was somewhat a mirage for the first 45 <coughs> games of the season? I'm not suggesting they believe that, but if that is what they're feeling, which I know a lot of people do, I mean, to me, maybe there's some things that weren't on the table a little while ago that that might be now. And, and I'll tell you what, if they went and did that right now, I don't think, I mean, you can talk of what the mojo does to the team or inside the room. I'm not sure that the fan base completely revolts on it. In fact, I think it might be supported because I think there's a lot of people that watch this game, that watch this team every single night that are feeling deja vu from what's happened before. And you know what? If you know you're going to be doing it at some point and right now you can get a King's Ransom and it makes more sense for the team to do it, I'm not sure that there would be a huge negative blowback from that because unfortunately right now they're almost being forced into considering things like that with the way the team's playing on the ice. 
Well, yeah, no, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's. Let's get something clear here. I'm not saying it's the smart move to look at to look at the you know to look at the future, right? I mean, um, of course it is because, like I had said earlier in the conversation, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where, yeah, I, I agree. There's Jets fans out that, that there that are looking at this team and going, yeah, this is deja vu. This is the same team that you know is just. Gets to a certain, you know, same team from 2018-19 that was really hot out of the gate and then fell, you know, fell apart at the end of that and was was out in the first round. Um, but at the same time, they're not the same team, you know. Like they they have the same core, but they're older. Their te- their players are, you know, they've acquired different players. They have the, you know, they have the pieces that are there. To me, I think there's a lot more fans out there. And I mean, yeah, you can look at Twitter and social media and stuff and pretend like that's the. Like that's the world out there, you know. Here's here's breaking news. It's not. There's a lot of people out there that want to see a winning team. That want to see that have waited, that have put thousands of dollars on the line to go in to go to a, to on season tickets and don't want to see another rebuild because guess what? This crew isn't good enough that we are good as good as we thought they were, and they don't want to be here anymore because they've been babied the entire time they've been in Winnipeg. Think about all the people of all the players that are on this team. There's so many of the core here, young guys, that have no idea outside of the Jets locker room of what an NHL locker room is like. You think those guys aren't looking at the last few years and being like, this isn't any fun and, and just wanting to change the scenery? I mean, this is the bed that the Jets made. And so to, to just kind of like to suggest that this isn't worth going into or, or, or winning or that fans would be interested in a, you know, are interested in, you know, selling the farm and, and getting future picks for better days in the future. I don't think so at all. Go look at the attendance numbers. Go look at the people supporting this team. This team needs a Mark Chipman knows this team needs a winner and fast because you need to get that excitement in here. And if you're if you're breaking things down this season, that apathy is just gonna grow. There's not gonna be the fans in the background rooting on this on this rebuild. Yeah. There's a lot of educated hockey fans out there in the city and a lot on the chat, I'm sure. And, and a lot on social media, but there's a, a lot of people in this city that just want to see a winner and have waited 13 seasons for it. So I think there's a lot more people out there who spend the money, who don't look at analytics or care about certain things or read certain things. They just want to see a winner. And so at this point, like you have a decent team to, to not add to it and not try to put, and I think getting a guy like Nino Nina Ryder is, is, is a is a foreshadow of what's going to come over the next few days. I just think what needs to happen is that Shevel Dayoff needs to be smart in who he picks up. He's probably not going to get the key guys on the on the top of the draft board. I'm not saying it's impossible because they do have they do have the prospects and picks, but I, but he needs to he needs to improve this club this year and do their best to go on some kind of run because you know, putting them in a situation where they're, you know, for sure foregone conclusion that they're if not out of the playoffs first round exit is not going to bring the excitement that this team this community this city needs um and has been desperate for for years yeah i'll I'll be honest i'm going to take the other side on this and i talked to dozens of people i was in the stands at both games on the weekend friday lower bowl sunday upper bowl and talked to a lot of people that i see all the time that are season ticket holders that are I don't know, maybe more feeling like I am right now. Like, I mean, there's not anything that has d- delivered enough confidence in. And, and first of all, it's one thing to make the playoffs. We haven't seen this team play a playoff style of hockey almost at any point. I mean, they they certainly they started off doing the simple little things well. But, I mean, any physicality, any emotion from the club, I mean, there's a lot of things that are lacking that they're not checking off the boxes that when things get real, and we're already seeing teams right now playing more playoff style hockey and they don't have the answer for 
And I think people understand the situation that the team, the general manager is in, and also understand the cycles of where this team is with their contracts. And as I say, I don't think that, I think there's a lot of people that are in the long haul. Yeah, there's some fair weather fans. Oh, the team's not winning. I'm out. Uh, I'm detaching. Even the people that aren't, they're still paying attention to this show. They're still following the team. And at some point, this core is going to change. And again, I'm not advocating blowing it all up right now, but I'll tell you what, I mean, if there was a massive deal available for somebody in that core right now, I think they'd be crazy not to think about it because you've got very few things that you can count on other than the contracts that are signed. Obviously, Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers are a little bit longer than the other guys, but there is going to be a change coming sometime. And who knows, this might be a moment in time when you look at the market around the National Hockey League that might push them into doing something that we couldn't have even imagined even a couple weeks ago. Oh, you want to talk? It was, what was it, Dub? Two summers ago, the summer of Chevy? This is going to be the summer of Chevy. I just, I think what we're debating here, and I think we we, we, we have agree, we, we agree with each other on certain aspects of it. I think there's somewhere in the middle here. But I, I think the difference is, I think change is coming. But it's not going to be coming in the next three days. And by change, I, I mean drastic change. I mean change that you just sold, like unlike we've ever seen around these parts, change. I think that's coming this summer. Um, depending obviously a lot on what happens over the next few months here, all I'm suggesting is at this point, given the situation with the West, given the situation, contract statuses that you have for a number of key players, I just don't think making that kind of altering move to the core at this point in time um, makes sense for the future of this team uh, I'm not saying it couldn't garner the most, you know, the best package or whatever. And I do agree with you. Well, I'll say it makes sense it, for the future of this team. It might not make as much sense for the next two near months future, for this team. Near future of this yeah. team. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course it would make sense for the future future of this team. I just mean the near future. And for all those points I had mentioned before about getting some excitement back in there, getting a playoff run, understanding that the West is beatable this year. You know what I mean? Like this is, they're not, play, they're not, you know, moving their way up the east the the west is a very tight conference so if the jets can find you know turn on that proverbial switch or find their game over the next couple months here there's real potential for them to do damage especially with the pieces that they have in net and so that's all i'm suggesting with that um but i mean again at the same time i had also mentioned earlier in the chat i mean if at this point in time if somebody wanted like a pierre luc dubois and was calling you and the, and the deal was off the charts and almost unbelievable then yeah obviously you wouldn't just listen. You might even act on it. But I don't know if that's necessarily coming its way over the next 48, 72 hours. All right, man. Well, I knew this would be a banger show today, and we have gone quite long. We've got to get to uh, Bones. Um, we've got a couple quotes from t- today. But uh, very quickly, uh, give us a prediction. What happens before uh, the deadline on Friday? Would, do the Jets add a couple more pieces? Is it minimal? Is it around the periphery? Or might we be uh, might we be talking about something significant? You know what? It's it's funny. I just thinking about what thinking about what the Jets need. Thinking about how Kevin Chevaldeoff acts. You know, talking to some people around the league. I think the Jets are going to go hard for Jacob Chikrin. I just do. I think they're going to be in on it. He's the kind of guy that they they need to. I've been saying this forever. They need to bolster their blue line. He's the guy that they you know steep price. I don't think there's a lot of teams that can meet that price. Um, you know, and, and I think he creates, he opens that window for you, right? He bringing another key player like him, it's going to cost you. Um, and, and the reason why I think a Jacob Chikrin might be an, a, might be a possibility for them is because 
I really think the Coyotes like a guy like Rutger McGrody. I think that he, um, you know, he's he, he's not going to be the only piece in that. The Jets will have to give up a first round pick. They'll probably have to give up a couple more players. But but I also think I also think that the Jets would when I look at when I look at their roster and and you know I look at what the Jets might try to do with you know of course the contract status is of Pierre Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley. I think and we've seen it already with the trades that some of the trades have been throughout this last couple of weeks is sometimes they come with a couple different players. So you target two players, right? So what about like a Barrett Hayton in, 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 uh, in, in Arizona fifth overall pick in 2018, you know, centerman young guy. What if you pay a steep price and could find him in there? And I think that might be something the Winnipeg Jets would be interested in. Another guy that I find interesting that uh, as a possibility as a replacement for Pierre-Luc Dubois or Mark Scheife, just that center position. I think the Jets would be interested in looking into the due diligence of Sean Monaghan's injury right now. I don't know where he's at. Apparently, he's not coming out right away, uh, but could be back by the end of the season and potentially ready for playoffs. Now, you could talk to him. I think his I think his contract is up this season. Um, so I think there, but I think there's potential for a late opportunity in playoffs, and then maybe convincing a guy like him to come on and stay on, right? Um, I think that there's, I, I, I've been doing this double player. So I look at the teams that are selling. I look at, I look at uh, uh, Anaheim. I look at Adam Henrique and I look at uh, Fowler as being a, a group package. I look at, I look at uh, Philadelphia and I think uh, J- James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton as two guys that the Jets would be interested in and that kind of the type of player that they need that offensive, have a bit of offensive to them, but they play a hard game. And so uh, those are the, the guys I think are possibilities, um, and they're and, and they fall into that not necessarily on top of the radar, deeper down the list of prospects. But I think the big fish that the Jets would be best to go for and, and potentially could go for is a guy like Jacob Chicken. Um, and so that's my, that's my prediction. Well, that would be uh, that would be something. Um, uh, the way I'm feeling right now, I hope they don't trade their first round pick, and I would be loathe to trade Wrecker McGrory out of any prospect that Winnipeg Jets have. For a number of reasons about what we're talking about, what's missing in that Jet locker room and on the ice right now from that team is exactly what he is made of right now. And um, well, and you know what? What does Rutger McGrody remind you of? In, uh, a guy out of a guy who played a long, long time in Arizona. Long, long time in Arizona. Yeah, still with the organization. Who as Doan? A, as an executive, Doan. I think he's. I think they look at him as the next Shane Doan. Well, he's got way more personality and energy. Well, and, and stuff I think like that's that. why Winnipeg would be very, very reluctant to get rid of him. One, he's exactly the type of player that that this team needs, and very different than the type of player that they've drafted in the past. As well as he's a guy that loves Winnipeg. Every interview you've ever seen of him, every every word I've ever heard about him, he loves the city. He loves the fans here. He's excited to be a Winnipeg Jet. And the last thing you want to do is everything. This organization absolutely needs guys to come in and buy in. If the last few years hasn't proven, has proved anything, it's that you want guys that want to be here. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, well, as I said, going to be a very interesting week. I know you guys will be all over it in the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, thanks so much for doing this and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Should be an interesting Monday next week. Yeah, man, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, seeing what all Seeing what all unfolds, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. There's Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Listen, we are not done yet. Uh, we do have a little bit of audio from today post practice. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, for big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Pop by there on Saturday afternoon. That's where I, I did my 
instant reaction video to the Nito Niederreiter trade just before I was about to have my first delicious Hefeweizen at the bar. Great, great spot. If you haven't been down there to visit them on William Avenue, just uh, an amazing place with the best beer in town. You can pick up a little brown jug, all their offerings at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue, Manitoba Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells great beer. Don't forget, should have ticket of information a little bit later on this week, but March 29th is the second Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night over at Little Brown Jug. Really looking forward to hosting that and seeing you all there. And uh, big cheers to our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. A lot of fans hot right now. Maybe almost as hot as the new flamethrower DQ Stackburger. You can get it at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs along with the other five amazing new burger offerings at your local Dairy Queen. While you're there, jump on one of their world-famous blizzards. Maybe bring some ice cream treats and novelties home for the kids. And if you do need a cake, ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an upcoming event, feel free to get at them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know how you want that custom cake done up. They'll have it for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Polo Park. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Remo, needless to say, the chat's been hot all day. Tons of people in today. Don't forget to hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, and now uh, we do have some audio from both the newest member of the Winnipeg Jets as well as Coach Rick Bonus on what was, by all accounts, a spirited practice. And we'll see how Bones's voice was afterwards because it sounded like the head coach was doing a lot of the messaging today. Yeah, yeah. I was asked about that. Scott Pillock and Ken, everyone on scene there, spirited practice neat with featuring Nino Niederreiter, has wearing number 62. Um, a couple notes here. Uh, Mike McIntyre saying Rick Bonus is going to have no voice. He's screaming himself hoarse at this team, mostly about moving their feet. You want to get into lines right now. Uh, Ehlers, Dubois, Niederreiter, Connor, Shafley, Wheeler, Menelainen, Lowry, Kuhlman, Barron, Stanlin, Gagne, and then Gustafson was the extra, according to Ken. Morrissey, Demello, Dylan, Piant, Capo, Bianco, Schmidt, Stamberg, Stanley. And there was one other note, just an injury note. We didn't touch on this. So Mason Appleton, he's got an upper body injury. Doubtful for tomorrow. And this is new hustler, Pierre-Luc Dubois, nagging lower body injury. He left early, and he's a game-time decision tomorrow. I feel like he's been kind of dealing with something like this throughout the year. We've just heard stuff, but he's played through it. And I don't know if that explains, um, you know, the slowdown in terms of scoring the last couple of games he was on like a point per game pace the first uh, 40 50 games but we'll have to wait yeah, and we... see tomorrow we'll be tuned in tomorrow has a uh, big biggest game of the year tomorrow i think every game <laughs> is the biggest game of the year from now on well let's hear we'll get to need a rider in a second Brimo, but let's start at 14 and just uh kind of get to uh a little bit of what bones had to say after today's practice um the first one was just bones on the yelling and the amount of uh loud direction from the head coach that his players heard today there's days where uh, you let your assistants run the drills and there's days that the only voice they should hear is the head coach's voice and today is one of those days little smile at the end but uh, i don't think he or anyone was really smiling inside um bones talked about his post-game comments yesterday that really focused in on the uh 
limited positives coming out of a pretty depressing 4 nothing home loss to the Islanders. I toned it down last night. Well, I was heated up, and I just certainly didn't want to come in and say the wrong thing. Because you can't, uh, listen, I don't need the media to motivate these guys. Let's put it that way. Um, I'll, I'll give you guys information that I share with the team. I didn't share much with them after the game. We talked more about it this morning. I'd rather address it this morning. So what we didn't like about last night was addressed with the team this morning. Got to respect that. He's often said that, uh, you know, when he's made pointed comments to the media and to the fans, um, they've always heard it first, and apparently they didn't yesterday. Um, But, I mean, this is the one that I think that's so important, the accountability level of the team. That was a word we talked a lot about last year. It seemed like they had it and, um, you know, really believed in it, and it made the team much better earlier on this season obviously struggling in many departments. Here is Rick Bonus on if the accountability has dipped on his squad. It has a little bit, yeah. Um, uh, we kind of talked about that this morning. So, um, but enough talking about those things. And um, yeah, listen, the bottom line is, like, like last night, the, the legs were working, but the execution wasn't very good. We had guys falling down all over the ice for whatever reason, I, right? Nobody near them were falling down. I, I, I don't get that, but that's ice conditions or blades, whatever. But um, the, the accountability probably be more behind closed doors now. And yeah, there's be moves we'd like to make. Um, I would like to, you know, we try to make, but we can't. 23-man roster and everything else. So. Uh, we got to we we we've got to hold them more accountable in the, in the like we did this morning, um, and then just as important as they got to hold each other accountable. Like you can't say I want to be held accountable, but but not me. Make them accountable, right? It doesn't work that way. Everyone has to be held accountable. So when we're holding them all accountable, there's no we're not we're not uh, we're not picking and choosing guys. If you need to get a blast, you're going to get a blast. All right, Rick Bonus uh, today. Would have been an interesting first practice for Nito Niederreiter. I'll say that much. We'll hear from him in just a second. Uh, here's Bones on if he's concerned about his team's ability to rise to the challenge that they're facing right now. There's been times we have, and there's been times that we haven't. And then we're just, uh, trust me, we're going to keep pushing. We're not backing off, not from our end. And uh, they better get used to it. There's, there's no chance we're backing off. So uh, certainly not this time of year. Um, so, no, they better get used to it. All right, Rick Bonus after practice today. Here's one more. Rennie, Sean Reynolds, asked about these second-half slides that we've talked about. I mean, there is a real element of deja vu for people that follow this team, um, dating back to the second half of the 2019 season that ended with a quick exit to the St. Louis Blues. The pattern for this team since 2018 in every year that's completed is they've come out gangbusters at the beginning of the year and they've tailed off as the year has gone on. Now, I don't know if it's your responsibility to look into what happened and try and find a theme, but I guess what's the theme of why that is happening this year? I'm not going to look for a theme. I'm just going to deal with what I see day to day and some of the things I see day to day I don't like. And when I don't like them, I address them. And how different are they from the the habits of this team at the beginning of the year? Uh, 
Listen, we, we, yeah, we, we were a little clumsy coming out of the gate. Uh, we got going again. Um, clearly, we're a little off now, and we're going to get it back on track. And that's, you know, again, they, they, that team wants to win. I, I know we're not playing well. We, we get that. And we, there's only one way out of it, and that's start giving more effort and start giving second efforts. It's, not, it's one thing to work hard to get there. It's what you do when you get there. Right, so when I say yeah, the pace was good and everything else, so that and it was, we were skating, but we weren't doing enough when we got there. So um, that's where the second efforts have to start improving from everybody. So it, listen, the, the bench was alive. I thought the legs were good. It's just that second effort, and when you see that, okay, there's a little bit of a comfort zone setting in here. Then let's get out of this comfort zone, and that's what the challenge is right now. All right, uh, more from Rick Bonus. Well, actually, one more, and then we'll get to Nito Niederreiter before we finish the show. Bones, on um, does the team understand the blueprint for success that had made them successful earlier this year? Yeah, I've said this before. We, we know who we are. We know what we look like. It's a matter of doing it consistently. We've gotten away from that. Uh, there's, we're, not, we're not reconfiguring how we play. We just have to get more committed to doing it and more committed to do it with a, a more competitive attitude. So it's not like we're changed systems. We're not. Uh, have we gotten away from how we want to play? Yeah, because we're not. So, again, the, when I say we're aggressive skating, yeah. But, it, again, it's what you do when you get there, right? So you're going to force a turnover. You're going to get into a battle. Are you going to win it or are you going to lose it? So being there um, is one thing. What you do when you get there is just as important. All right, so there's Rick Bonus after a uh, very spirited practice today, uh, one which included a lot of yelling from the uh, from the head coach. And Reem, as I mentioned, we're just about to hear from the newest Jet Nito Niederreiter, who of course was acquired from the Nashville Predators on Saturday. What a uh, what a scene, and what an unusual practice and situation for him to come in compared to every other practice this season for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you had that kind of performance. Hey, new guy, come come right in. Uh, welcome. And look, I think he's a guy, skill set that they need. Um, they had to replace Cole Perfetti, uh, his presence in the top six. And I think Niederreiter can do just that. But also bring some elements that they don't have. A uh, big body who can go to the net and also rip shots. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring. Rocking number 62. Hustler, you mentioned uh, getting one of those. I mean, got to get a pretty long name bar for him, too. I was actually going to look up if uh, he's the longest name in Jets 2.0 history. I don't know if Ponikarovsky is that longer. Well, one word. I mean, Axel Janssen Fjallby. Oh, yeah, Janssen Fjallby. Yeah, he's got a high. That's true. It is on the name bar. It is on the back, so that's true. And for a 62, the last guy wearing that, Nelson Nelson Noje. um, And shout out to the Jets. They put out the video of him arriving on the scene. I thought yeah, that was, that was did a pretty good cool. job. Bernie had to work a little late last yeah, night, picking him up, throwing the sticks and everything in the bag. And I don't know, great job by the social media department. Listen, a lot of people in the Jets organization had good weekends. I mean, they put yes. a great show on. I mean, the <laughs> next gen game was great. I'm sure the people off the ice are doing their thing. And we just got to get the uh, the team operating yeah. that way on the ice. Rob Mahoney in chat, maybe I missed it, but is Friday's deadline show still starting at 1 p.m.? No, we will go earlier. We'll confirm a time, but this is a perfect time to remind all you YouTubers to make sure your uh, notifications are on because on days like Friday, we will get going earlier 
and uh, you'll get a little notification that the fellas are at it live on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, keep telling you folks, if you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the channel. Just hit that red uh, red button. All right, we do have to get these pods up, but let's hear from Nino Niederreiter to finish up today's show. Here is the newest Jet on uh, the trade. I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that you never can be prepared for for a trade. So uh, I was just in the bus going back to the team hotel and then got called up in the front of the bus and got the news. And obviously telling all the boys in the bus that you get traded it was definitely an emotional part, but I'm definitely very excited to be here now. There's Nino Niederreiter getting called up onto the bus, front of the bus and getting uh, the word on it. And, of course, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about this just because there's been so much Jets news to uh, to get to as well as the trades from around the league. Uh, but David Poyle stepping down. And Barry Trotz is going to be the next general manager of the Nashville Predators. So I know we had a fun summer trying to see if Barry could come to Winnipeg and try and be the guy that turns this thing around. It would have been, it would have been tough to see him wait a little bit more and then go coach one of the other teams. So um, anyways, uh, good for Barry. He will be that guy. And I wonder how involved he was in that Tanner Janot trade that was pulled off the next day. Um, back to Nino Niederreiter, though. He had talked about his first practice as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it's definitely, like you mentioned, it was definitely a hard practice, but it was good. I mean, getting to know the guys right away, and I mean, it's a high competitive team. I mean, everybody seems like they uh, they want to take the, the next step, and like you said, it was definitely intense practice, but I mean, I had a long flight yesterday, so it's, I'm glad we had an intense practice. All right. Well, some good vibes and smiles from Nito Niederreiter. I mean, that's exactly just what the team needs. Uh, here's uh, Niederreiter on what he knew about the Jets. Certainly played against them quite a bit. I mean, I played them uh, enough over the last few years. I know exactly what kind of team it is. And I mean, they're a high competitive team and they're highly skilled, a lot of high end talent. And I mean, obviously, coming here gives myself a great opportunity as well to play in a great team and hopefully go on a run here in the playoffs. I mean, they were obviously they were ahead of us when I was playing for Nashville. It's a team where we knew we have to come close to the way they, they compete. And like I said, being here now, it's uh, definitely changed things a lot. Couple more from Nito Niederreiter. Uh, he also talked about uh, just the process of coming to a new team, especially at this point in the season. I think the, that's a tough, tough question. I think it's got to be yourself coming in the room and be open-minded and soak everything in right from the get-go and don't. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, being traded or moving into a different team is always kind of emotional. Like I said, you don't know what to expect, and you have made a lot of friends. In Nashville and obviously getting here, it's a whole new team, a whole new group. So it's uh, not a part which you got to focus on just getting to know each and every individual on a personal level. All right, Nino Niederreiter, newest member of the Jets. And you mentioned Reem, he is wearing number 62. That's a training camp number, if I've ever heard one. Let's find out uh, how he selected number 62 for his uh, Jets jersey number, which we'll see tomorrow night against the Kings. And no, not at all. I mean, 22 was taken, 21 was was taken, and with my long, long last name, I had to make sure there's a number who kind of fits fits that last name. I feel like 62 was a good number. Well, there's the backstory. Then. Exactly. Well, <laughs> oh, there it is. He just wanted a big number to be able to sort of fill out the jersey with all those letters and consonants in the last name. I think that's a good move, Huss. Uh, I guess you can't pick like a single digit number with the last name Niederreiter. It would just look weird and you know maybe maybe there's certain numbers that don't go all the way to the end i think 62 you got the six it's like the border and the two goes Big block numbers yeah like 88 would be good but schmidt has 88 so 
Um, I like the rationale. I never thought of aesthetic purposes for picking a number. Well done. Try to match well, the name. Well, and now I guess maybe maybe we'll get lucky and find out what his goal song is a couple times oh, tomorrow night. They, any goal songs, any goal songs <laughs> would be welcome at the arena tomorrow. Um, anyways, great stuff by Remus to grab those for you. Listen, just before we go, what do we got tonight in the National Hockey League? Got five games on tap. As far as teams in the Western Conference playoff race, Dallas Stars at home to the Vancouver Canucks. Dallas minus 272 favorites. Big game for the Detroit Red Wings and Ottawa Senators tonight. Back-to-back nights, as we talked about with Pooley a little earlier. Ottawa, the favorite, minus 130 at home. Um, Should be a real fun game between the Bruins and the Oilers. They'll be going at it in Edmonton. Bruins minus 125 faves. Avalanche minus 138 favorites at home against the Golden Knights. And then two teams that are thoroughly entrenched in next year territory, Anaheim and Chicago. The Ducks at home minus 137 favorites. And uh, it'll be interesting to even see who's playing for Chicago after a couple more of their players were shipped out today. Um, if you missed that, what was the what was the deal again, Remo? It was uh, Jake McCabe and Sam oh. Lafferty going to the Leafs, and another future first round pick, and a bunch of other things uh, going to the uh, going to the Hawks. Yeah, we had that big trade. You just mentioned the Bruins. We didn't touch on the goalie goal on the weekend. There's too much too much crisis mm. in Jetsland. But shout out to Linus Allmark. Allmark with the goalie goal. I don't know. Is your fan? Did your fantasy league reward? Points for that one. Uh, I didn't check. I didn't check it. I don't have. Me I don't think mine. I don't think my mine does. I heard it's like having like when a pitcher hits a home run, you don't get get the points <laughs> for it. But yeah, it's a Jake McC- Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, and two conditional fifths from Chicago uh, to Toronto in exchange for Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogiev, a conditional first in twenty twenty five and a twenty twenty six second. And oh yeah, Chicago also retaining fifty percent of Jake. McCabe salary and that 2025 pick top 10 protected. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the East has been busy. Some of the West teams got into it. The jets with Niederreiter, um, Dadanov being traded for Dennis Malgin from, uh, d- d- Dallas Gur- and the Montreal Canadians. Oh, Gurianov. Excuse me. Oh yeah. Malgin was on, uh, He's in Colorado. Playing on the top line with Colorado as we saw them. And, uh, and Barbashev goes from the blues to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Busy, busy week of trades. I imagine we'll still get more over the next few days. Uh, And of course, we'll be all over it. We will have an expanded show on Friday. So make sure to stay tuned and turn your notifications on so you know we're getting going early. Other than that, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, It should be a fun show. Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period covers the Kings very closely. He'll jump on with us. We'll talk about all the deals in and around the league, what he's hearing, the latest on both the Winnipeg Jets and the LA Kings, Mike McIntyre as well. And at some point this week, tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll look forward to having Kerry Anderson on the show as well after their big fourth consecutive Scotties win on the weekend. All right, that's going to do it for us. Congrats again to the Einerson rink. Congrats again to the U of M Westman basketball team, big win for the fellas. First national trip to nationals in 30 years. What an environment that was on Saturday night. Um, we got to get out, though. We got to get these pods up. An extended show today. We'll have more tomorrow, 1 p.m. Don't miss it. We'll see you then right here on WST. Thanks for hanging. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.